Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hi, good morning. Morning all. There's quite an amount of uh, COVID-related stories making the papers today, but one of them that doesn't is probably an overnight one. And uh, online, I'm reading on the uh, RT online service this morning that uh, workers, residents in Sydney ordered to stay at home for a week. They've locked down lots of Australia's largest city. Why? Because of the highly contagious Delta variant. Apparently, uh, it's been linked to a limousine driver uh, who was uh, infected about two weeks ago when he transported an international flight crew from Sydney Airport to a quarantine hotel. Got COVID off to himself and uh, then passed it on. I think they've traced about 65 people from that one incident. So it's an interesting one breaking overnight with regards to uh, the Delta variant. Uh, we have our own COVID-related stories this morning, obviously, where they talk about a delay now, fairly likely, with regards to the opening of indoor hospitality. With The Irish Times this morning saying, a delay in the reopening of indoor hospitality is seen as increasingly likely... Uh, you have the government, official sources, NEF at HSE, all of them thinking that they'll stall now the full reopening of restaurants and pubs on July 5th. There's a lovely article in The Independent, actually, giving you a typical example of a pub that is very keen to reopen on Leaside. That's John O'Connor, who owns the Spalpeen Faunach in Cork. He says, we kept coming in, we kept cleaning, we kept on top of things just to keep some bits sane. Um, and we hope to reopen, but that's not up to us. It's all in the air now. So, actually, speaking about being up in the air, what's probably likely to happen next week, they're saying now, is that an announcement... And, and uh, hospitality is asking for a call on this on Monday, not next Thursday. But what's likely to happen, they're saying, and you don't know with any amount of certainty, uh, the Independent this morning is saying, uh, that it's likely that uh, overseas travel and flights will be allowed. Air travel will take off. And they figure that up to... I don't know how many people will go through Cork Airport, probably not very many, but a quarter of a million through Dublin Airport every week, despite the growing concerns of Delta. So they're expected to sign off on air travel, but to delay to delay indoor hospitality. So that's where we're at. And that's where the mail this morning says international travel still likely to return on July 19th. But the July 5th date for indoors will probably be uh, delayed or postponed or pushed back. What would it be? A couple of weeks? Uh, here on Lee side, a story that uh, I've been watching and covering from time to time through the courts is the story of the retired Cork businessman and former scout leader Dave Barry, uh, who was described in the papers and in court as having the perfect cover story. Uh, of respectability as he sexually assaulted Boy Scouts at his home in Bishopstown for years. He's got a five-year prison sentence and it makes all of the papers today. Scout leader had perfect cover stories, the front page story from the Echo today. The examiner say, quotes one of the victims, he walked around with not a care in the world while we suffered in silence. I'll come back to that story in a few minutes' time with Barry Roach, who was in court. Ralph Regal in The Independent carries it as well. In fact, it's quite interesting because uh, in his article, Ralph Regal says that um, uh, Barry's jailing for five years came after the 50,000 scout movement in Ireland was already struggling to deal with what he calls a tsunami of controversies over legacy scandals. Uh, They were working through 110 criminal investigations by all accounts and 275 alleged perpetrators of historical abuse within the Scouts um, uh, were were apparently listed uh, in a recent report that was put together. 275 alleged perpetrators, many of them dead, 
um, and it goes back to the 1960s right up to the late 1990s and as I say many alleged abusers are now dead if they were not they probably would be um, being at now in jail or else being investigated uh, by Angarda Shikana just like Dave Barry was uh, the son this morning says he robbed us of our teenage years so it's not the most pleasant story to be talking about on a Friday morning but Nonetheless, there is another story making the papers today. It's a Cork one that makes the echo. It's actually gone to the Court of Appeal now. It involves a convicted Cork fraudster. We know that. We know that Jane Highland was before the court. We know that Judge Donovan uh, wanted to send her to jail. But he says, what's the point? Limerick Prison isn't taking any notice. First time she's out after five months. Second time she's out for one month. It's a complete and utter joke. So he didn't send her to jail. He gave her a suspended sentence instead. Now the DPP are unhappy with that and that's rolling out in the courts at the moment. But what we do know of her is that she was found guilty of uh, taking more than 25,000 from her employer Johnson and Perrotts. On another occasion, uh, there were many charges involving 34,000 while working for Westbourne IT Solutions uh, and even more uh, acts of theft and deception at Rockwell Automation. So we have to see what happens with that as to whether the uh, sentence is reversed and she does go to jail. But those that call the Gardaí is the story that makes the Irish Times today and you heard it in the news at 9 o'clock where people who are calling 999 had their calls cancelled uh, or deleted uh, or the wrong names were taken down or phone numbers and addresses were taken down wrong, meaning that even if the guards wanted to investigate, they couldn't find the right addresses to where the alleged crimes were taking place, particularly with regards to crimes of sexual offences, assaults and burglaries. And apparently in the Times this morning, they say that many of the 999 calls were cancelled because of who made them, like travellers, foreign nationals, or people from specific socio-economic backgrounds. Read into that whatever you wish. But amongst them were domestic violence calls. And then there's an apology because of that making the mail today where the Garda chief says uh, abuse victims were failed. Um, the two different documentaries, one is already being rolled out on Sky and the other one will roll out next week on Netflix involving the uh, unsolved uh, death and murder of Sophie Toscan de Plantier. That story dominates the papers every single day because there's always a new twist to it. Uh, Ian Bailey now has uh, moved into the world of social media, which he's entitled to with a uh, Twitter page. He may have an Instagram page as well, but Sophie, de Plantier, Sophie Toscan de Plantier's uncle um, is exclusively interviewed in The Sun this morning where he labels Ian Bailey a narcissist and blasted um, any of the theories that Ian Bailey puts forward on her murder. He calls them nonsense. And, of course, in the uh, ever-changing world we live in, where much that would have been tolerated or found funny years ago is no longer tolerated nor found funny. And amongst them, some of the earlier episodes of Coronation Street. Woke TV chiefs are now targeting classic episodes of Coronation Street, branding them offensive. And amongst them... If you're a Corrie fan and can go way back, you'll remember Stan and Hilda Ogden, the funniest and most entertaining of couples in Coronation Street for many, many years. Apparently, there's a particular episode where they went out to eat and Stan and uh, Stan and Hilda were having a chat about food. He liked, she liked, she liked chips and eggs, egg and chips. Very popular in the UK, very popular here. He loved all sorts of foreign food, right? So he'd refer to things like, um, he, he, w- he was trying to speak in, in French and then he'd try and speak in Indian or he'd be trying to speak in Chinese and he'd say things. Um, it's very difficult to speak to in English. Um, he's the son of the Orient. 
apparently you can't, you can't say that anymore. He also said that he loved foreign tack. Oh, I love foreign tack. As in foreign food. I love foreign tack, me, to see. French, I tie, kraut. You can't whack it. And that's all deemed to be offensive these days. So that episode probably, even though it's being aired anymore, is going to be pulled for sure with a slap on the wrist. The Neil Prenderville Show. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. My apologies if you find this upsetting. Um, it's understandable that you would, because of course it is upsetting, because you have all sorts of stories down through the years, and to those of us that were in the Scouts or the Cubs or the Mockyevs, unfortunately, way too many of us know of people within the Scouts who themselves have been uh, sexually assaulted by Scout leaders or indeed uh, know of some cases where those in authority actually went to jail. One who is now in jail is the 72-year-old former Scout Commissioner, uh, Dave Barry from Montrose, Fergrove Crescent in Bishopstown. He pleaded guilty, and that may be one of the reasons why the sentence was reduced from seven uh, to five years. Barry Roach is Southern Correspondent from the Irish Times. He joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? And again, uh, letting people know that it, it is it is very upsetting. Uh, probably not the best idea to go into the actual detail, which no, was, which we, was we, we, very we, we, specifically out, outlined in court. But what can you tell us? Yeah, uh, David Barry, uh, people would know him. He's well-known businessman in Cork, photographic business here. Would have photographed a lot of the uh, graduations at CIT and uh, UCC over the years, um, photographic studio so people would have even done weddings you know well known but he was also very involved in the scouts and he actually started he joined the scouts I think as a seven or eight year old himself and uh, rose up the ranks and he actually ended up as scout commissioner for Cork which meant he was probably the most senior scouting guy in the city at one stage but uh, what's come to light uh, over the last couple of years uh, guy went into the Gardaí in Bishopstone and Detective Garda Gary Duggan of Bishopstone Garda Station in 2018 began this investigation and yesterday it resulted in David Barry from Fairgrove Crescent in Bishopstone being jailed for five years for a series of sexual stroke indecent assaults. The difference is that the legislation changed, so it's essentially sexual assault, but it was called decent assault for a period, and the actual sentencing uh, for each of the offences changed as well. But the net point is he was given seven years yesterday with two years suspended, so he's serving five years. The offences, there were 29 separate incidents that he pleaded to, and they were on the boys between 1986 and 2008, so that's a 22-year period. The boys would have been aged between 13 and 16 at the time in the 1980s, 1990s and 2000s, all after they joined the Toker Scouting Group, the 37th Cork Troop. The abuse, it happened in his home in Bishopstone. Um, they would stay over there and in some cases, he, some cases, he plied them with alcohol, showed them pornography on television before sexually assaulting them. Um, I won't go into the details, no. but it was basically of a, of a fondling nature yeah, primarily. Very, very uh, graphic. There was yeah. one instance just to sort of say where he, he got a, a young lad to strip naked and then also strip naked and on the pretext, a pretense of showing him how to prevent hypothermia started yeah. rubbing him down and that's how the abuse happened yeah. in that case. Um, in fact, I know you referred to one uh, young, young one gentleman who came before, went to the guards, but there were 10 victims came forward, wasn't there, in total? There were 10 and four of them gave evidence, or sorry, four of them we heard from, four of them yesterday in their victim impact statement. And this was, what I found the most shocking thing about yesterday was there was one chap, he's a 44-year-old guy now. It was the, the manipulation and the sort of engineering of situations. And he gave one example. I thought this was really shocking. Um, 
With another man, he was 44, as I say, he outlined in detail the links that Barry would go to try and engineer a situation where he'd be alone with him so that he could abuse him and make his teenage years, and he ended up making his teenage years a nightmare. What he did has haunted me over the years. He said, I didn't deserve this. I lived a blissful childhood until I joined the Scouts and met Dave Barry. He stole my youth, my innocence. His abuse left me utterly distraught, confused and lost. I lived in a constant state of fear. I was trapped every time I tried to leave the Scouts. He manipulated the situation, ensuring I stayed. He said, there was one occasion, this is one that really I thought, sort of captured it for me in terms of it's, it's how shocking and awful it was there was one occasion where a family holiday clashed with the scouting trip I was so relieved I was going to avoid the scouting trip but Dave Barry told my parents I'd confided in him that I wanted to go with the scouts so behind my back he arranged things so that I went to the scouting trip while my family went away on the holiday and he said I'll never forget the terror that time night after night counting down the hours trying to stay awake too fit too afraid to fall asleep so the fact that he could go to a family if you think of it like if you're 13 and somebody goes to your parents and tells them that you want to stay and you uh, with, with the scouting on the scouting yeah. trip and not I mean it must be terrifying for the young fellow oh it's manipulative and evil you know, the ma- manipulative in the, in the worst no I, I thought that was one of the you know I thought that was nearly worse than the well I suppose applying with them with drink and so forth but I just thought that was really the calculatedness and the, the um, and the effects of the, the on, on these boys who grew into men in later life Liam Heelan in the examiner says as I got older and became intimate with partners the memories of the abuse came back to me and affected the intimacy and he was walking around without a care in the world where we suffered in silence were you there when you spoke about going into a coffee shop um, and, and seeing Dave and Barry in there and leaving yeah and then he went back in again because he said, you know, I did nothing wrong. It wasn't my fault. Another guy said uh, he exposed us to pornography on the TV. He should made a shower at the time and, uh, and so forth. But you see, I can see how you fools, scout leaders, Gardaí, TDs, parents, media, like into thinking you were an upstanding citizen. All those years doing Santa's Grotto and Wilton, he used to take photographs there. The flash car, the businessman, the scout leader. And yet the reality was that behind this, he was a rotten apple in the community. And he said, no, it's time for justice for me and all your victims. And he was a very prominent member of Cork business world, I suppose, in Cork yes. society. And that yeah. gave him yeah. front, Gary, Gary Duggan said it gave him the front, he was a peace but, commissioner. He was, um, he was also, uh, he was a, a churchman Catholic, uh, uh, you know, very uh, open in his uh, religious devotion. So he said all that sort of fed into the image of him as being uh, s- above, above, um, yeah. above suspicion, as it was, I suppose, for, you- for many years until the first guy came forward in 18. And then it started to more people came forward. And as I said, 10 guys in total made statements and there were 10. Um, but in some of your copy, you refer to a scout's mother in 1987 who complained yeah, about an incident yeah, at his house. Something that I hope to go back and, and uh, look at, as it were, back then. And there was, um, I'm just checking my notes here now, if I can find it. And um, he was directed um, by the Stoker Scouts to stop holding activities at his house after this complaint by a mother, but... That didn't happen. And you go on to say that during his time in scouting, he received special counselling on four occasions. Yeah, um, I, that was more recently. That was 17 to 19. Yeah, um, two in 2010. 17. 10, I think. 10, yeah. Yeah, two in 2010, one in 17 and one in 18. But it's the one in 87 that uh, is interesting and in that uh, I don't... I, my understanding is that there was no complaint made to Gardaí back then, uh, but to the scouting authorities. But he ignored uh, that. In that, uh, sorry, I have it here. Yeah, he was directed by the unit council at Toker Scouts to stop holding activities at his house, but this didn't happen. And then, uh, the Gardaí Duggan said as well that uh, during. Uh, Barry's time in scouting he received special counselling from Scouting Ireland on four separate occasions twice in March 
2010, once in 2017, and once in April 2019. Um, I suppose those dates are significant in the sense that they're after the offences, so it doesn't seem as if there was anything after uh, 2008 in terms of what he's charged with, but the 87 one is interesting to see what happened then and what, yes, what yeah. the combination complaint was. I don't know if that woman is still alive, whether she might be listening in or whether she's had any insight or anything like that, but certainly back is... There was something happened in '87, and the fact it was all happening in his house. He was bringing them over. His, his, his he separated from his wife, so he had a big house. Uh, she wasn't at the family home, so he had a big house. He put in bunk beds and things, and he had various scouting activities, training. And he installed a full functioning bar as well. He did, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it was called Dainty Dave's or something like that. It was the was the name on the bar. Um, but again, we heard he was playing the lads with drink, uh, showing them porn, sometimes videos, sometimes uh, Science uh, 18, the German channel that was on way yeah. back in the day, whenever yeah, that was. That's right. Uh, so um, he was, that was one of his um, his ploys, as it were. But as Judge O'Donovan said, uh, he effectively preyed on very young and vulnerable boys. And he made the comment as well, which I suppose he's made in several cases, that, you know, the breach of trust here was... Judge Shauna Donovan disagreed with the defence counsel in the sense that the defence counsel said it was on the lower end of the scale. He disagreed with that, didn't he? Yeah, Tom Creed was pleading for leniency. He said that, um, first of all, David Barry had spared his victims the trauma of a trial with his early guilty plea, which he did. And he also pointed out he had no previous convictions of any kind, so he was coming to it, as it were, without any previous, so they were to his his credit as it were. He had poor health, he suffered from cardiac condition, including a heart attack in 2015, rheumatoid arthritis and diabetes. And he said a psychological report showed that he was a low risk of reoffending. And then he also pointed out that, that Barry had never used violence or the threats of violence against the victim. And he submitted that the offending, because it was of a, a fondling nature primarily, I suppose, was at the lower end of the scale for sexual abuse offences. But Judge Adelman said he strongly disagreed with that point because it involved a huge breach of trust where he sexually assaulted boys who were both in his care, both as a scout leader and as an adult. And he said the level of manipulation and deliberate engineering situations, A, through blind victims with alcohol and showing pornography before abusing them. And then, as I say, we heard in the victim impact statement about that issue of the lad wanting to go away in holidays and him bringing up the family and pretending that the lad wanted to stay with them for the scouting trip. He said he knew full well what he was doing. There was a significant breach of trust here and a serious misuse of his position as a scout leader and as an adult. Okay. He breached every concept of care and trust in effect to prey on his victims. Okay. So Judge Anulavon was according to far greater significance than Tom Creed was suggesting. Yeah. Uh, he acknowledged the guilty plea that was mitigating. Um, and he also said that that was important in terms of a public affirmation for the victims, the victims. that, that um, they knew that Barry was now acknowledging that he was the wrongdoer and that they had done nothing wrong. Uh, but he said, like, uh, uh, take into account all the aggravating factors, including the number of victims, the fact they went down for 22 years, he felt the appropriate, or, you know, 22 years, he felt the appropriate sentence was one of seven years with two suspended because of the guilty plea. So he's effectively serving five years from... Okay. Um, all yeah, innocent, so. all innocent teenagers entrusted in his care, as you say. Were, were, were any of the victims in court? Yeah, uh, there were a number of them there, and I say, as I say, uh, three of them read their own victim statements. Gary Duggan, who investigated, read the fourth uh, in victims in this uh, victim impact statement. He wasn't in court, but there were. Yeah, so we didn't get any reaction afterwards. They they tended to slip away. Yeah, I think quickly enough. But um, very brave men. You know, five five years was you know it was um, it's a substantial sentence. You know, like, and and was there any reaction to the sentence, say, from Dave Barry? 
I didn't see one, but but some he was were people are wearing masks, so it's hard to sort of um, yes, yes. discern. Um, there was slight confusion. We thought initially it was a three or a five, two suspended, but Judge uh, Donovan clarified it was seven with two suspended. So I don't know whether that registered with him and he thought he was serving three years initially and then five. But uh, some of my colleagues said this, they sort of saw him, I won't say gasp, but uh, there was some reaction. I didn't notice it myself, but as I say, he's wearing a mask and uh, or we're all wearing masks. So it's hard to discern okay. expressions as it were. Okay. I mean, Ralph Regal in The Independent this morning, and you're probably well aware of this yourself, he talks about uh, 275 alleged abuse involved in hundreds of abuse cases in the Scouts going back to the 1960s. Many of the abusers never brought before the courts, never investigated, and many of them dead. It's shocking, isn't it? Shocking. Oh, it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, I'm familiar with some other cases here in Cork, but I wouldn't be familiar with that. Uh, we have a, a reporter in, in Dublin, Times Jack Power, has done a lot on this, uh, and he's obviously sort of taken the broader picture, as it were. I'd have covered a couple of cases here in Cork myself over the years. Um, but certainly... I don't recall there's there's a case for somebody else's there's a, 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 a hung jury on the case at the moment there have been a couple over the years but I don't remember one as high profile as this here mm-hmm. in Cork and certainly I suppose when you think about it David Barry because he was commissioner for Cork he was I think as Ralph describes him as Mr. Scouting Cork mm-hmm. uh, so he was far more prominent and it's got a lot more prominence and as well as that some of those other cases, you might have one or two complainants. You have 10 lads here, or 10 men at this stage in this. And uh, as well as that, obviously, he's pleaded and the sentence five years. So this is giving this one a, a lot more. Okay, well, it won't take away the pain or the memories, but hopefully they feel as if they have no, achieved justice. I mean, hopefully justice. it's the first step for them in yeah. terms of, of closure, that there's an acknowledgement, there's a recognition, and they've been listened to, which I think is you know a big thing for them, and that they've been believed. Because when you think back to that 13-year-old, or whatever he was at the time, 13-year-old, Dave Barry superseded like his parents took Dave Barry's word of what he wanted I mean I think that's an extraordinary sort mm. of usurping of mm. I, I, I really find that authority that, and trust that, yeah that, yeah, yeah that, that trust and that he could go there and like where do you go as a 13 year old if, if, you're, if somebody else is being believed rather than you and you can't tell them yeah. I mean I, I thought that was the most frightening the most disturbing despicable aspect of this really it was okay. that sort of manipulation Okay, came to a conclusion yesterday in the court courts. Much obliged for that court coverage. Oh, incidentally, just on an unrelated matter, uh, you feature very, very strongly in both of the Sophie Tuscan de Plantia unsolved murder case documentaries, both Sky and indeed I've happened to have seen the advanced copies of, uh, of Netflix. Have you, have you watched any of them? Did, did you enjoy that? You were, you were incredibly powerful in both, I have to say. <laughs> you, I've seen three episodes of of the Sky one and I'm getting unmerciful slagging because I think I'm subtitled in it. You are subtitled, um, yes. <laughs> I'm subtitled. I went into court yesterday and people were saying, what's he saying? They were holding up phones in front of me. I can't read the subtitles. And that would be fine except some other reporters, Ralph isn't subtitled and Mooney isn't subtitled. So I am. Um, so I'm getting slagging over that. I've seen the first three episodes of that. I've... Uh, Netflix gave me a preview, but I actually haven't sat down and watched that yet, so I'm working my way through it. Um, Jim Sheridan's was interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing things about it. Um, I think, I mean, it's a slight point in it, but West Cork looks extraordinary in it, I think. Yeah. It's very atmospheric. Uh, I'd have a few quibbles with some of the, I think the Michael Todd Collins analogy at the start is a bit 
tiresome at this stage, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, 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 years before, the white lady. Away, and is, there were other mothers in West Cork and the white lady stuff was a bit sort of... It's a bit over the stuff. top, the white lady. I mean, it, is it a true rumour that in, down at the Three Castles head, if you see the it, white it lady well and she saw the white lady, you'll die? You know, I wonder was it needed? Yeah, but if you actually look at the statement that they based it on, he said Sophie said she saw the white lady. Uh, it's even longer a statement where she said Sophie came back feeling with a feeling of, of, of dread and gloom, but she doesn't say anything about the white lady per se. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a few things. There was, um, as I say, I've only seen three. Ian is starting, Ian Bailey is starting to come into it a lot more in the third episode, and we get footage of him at home in his um, in his shed and with his his, his carvings and so forth. Um, I, I I haven't seen enough of it to make a judgment call, and I haven't seen Netflix, even though, as I said, they've made it available to me. I've, I've met, spoken to John Dor, and I spoke to Sophie's family last. Thursday, and they were very unhappy with the. Uh, they were Sheridan very unhappy with Sheridan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. felt that they had been their cooperation had been secured in the false pretenses. No, Sky um, rejected that. I got the impression that Sheridan is a lot more sympathetic to uh, Ian Bailey's cause than Netflix. Having seen both of them, they're a lot less sympathetic towards him. But you, you feature- well be, and I put that to, put that to Ian Bailey. And he said, "Look, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm looking just for objectivity." And he felt he was going to get that from. Jim Sheridan, he felt Netflix was going to be poisonous propaganda, to use this phrase. Um, but John Dower, the director of Netflix, I put that to him, and he was interesting. He said, well, you know, Ian says that. I don't think we're poisonous propaganda. But he said Ian did an exclusive deal with Jim Sheridan, which he thought was strange, given he's, quote-unquote, the suspect in this. He said, if you want to get your story across, why would you tie one of your hands behind your back as were by doing an exclusive interview with somebody else so yeah. that you can tell your story to the other crowd so it's it's you know and it's they're both right at the same time it's obviously he's given a sort of um, yeah an impetus to it and I was in school on Wednesday for a piece that's due to appear tomorrow about how the skull feel about the whole being plunged back into attention the yeah but you are right the whole, the whole of West Cork does feature because of its sheer beauty actually if there's oh, anything I mean, positive I, that I, came I, out I've of it the, I've seen the, the Sheridan one like in the first three episodes there's some striking footage of Crook uh, Haven Three Castles Head and, yeah, and drone footage obviously has made it far easier it's to huge film difference. these aerial yeah. shots yeah. so it looks impressive but people in Skull uh, Wednesday yeah Wednesday a lot of people are very reluctant to talk on the record with me. I don't think I've encountered that sort of experience before to that extent. Uh, but then there were some interesting people who did go on the record. I, I was talking to Shirley Foster, who was Sophie's um, former neighbour. And Shirley was it's the house behind. Alfie Lyons. Two or more. People, people were seeing, but you know, when you see the footage of, of Sophie's house, it's the one to the left and behind. But she was saying that any time there was ever publicity, you would get people arriving out to the Families, grannies, kids, look at the grave. And then she said, you know, some were cheeky enough to come up and they'd start peering into the house. So she was, she's no longer living there, but she said she would fully expect that there would be that sort of increase in, I don't know, what do you call it? She found it voyeuristic, people arriving out. So she was expecting that to happen. And then I was talking to Bill Hogan. Um, he's a cheese American, American man, and he knew Sophie. But he was saying, you know, it's a constant reminder here. And the fact that Ian Bailey is still about is... Um, is adds to that because obviously he's so centre stage in the story. But he, it's extraordinary phrase. He said, "Ian has a presence like a billboard." You know, and he is. Like, he was in school on Wednesday when I was there, and he was having coffee, and like people were. You, I was doing the box pop asking people, but he's up the town at the moment. He's there, so he sort of mm. dominates, as it were. Mm. And one woman was telling me her son was travelling back from Dublin by train, and ticket checker said, um, 
are you going? And he said, Skull. And he said, ah, Ian Bailey Land. So he's associated with, yes. you know, he's with Skull as well. So yes. there's that. And, uh, you know, it's, people get on with their lives down there, but at the same time, it's there in the background. And mm. Tom Newman, the postman, said to me, our postmaster said, you know, people just want to see it resolved. They would love for Sophie's family that somebody would be charged and it mm. would be finalised and they would get some sort of closure. But that obviously hasn't happened okay. so far. Okay. Okay, we look forward to the article in the Irish Times this morning. You're a terrific storyteller. You feature very prominently in Jim Sheridan, but even more so in Netflix. Oh, you probably don't know that, but you're very much a well, central have, character I've, on you've Netflix. Told me, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. You know, I go through phases where I'm, or sorry, I'm, I'm following very close, and then I, I sort of pull back a bit, and so I'll watch it when it becomes available. And I, you're not subtitled, I, I, incidentally, in Netflix, so that becomes a relief. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, as I say, I'm getting some slagging about that, and I suspect there's a bit more to go yet. All right. The people okay. in court and things like that, but we'll live with it, I suppose. All right, Barry, yeah. thanks for taking the call, as always. Have a good weekend. Cheers for now. Take care. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times, features very prominent, prominently in both documentaries. Of course, the Sky one is unfolding at the moment, and the Netflix one, the three-parter from Netflix, next week. And I'll be in conversation with the director of the Netflix documentary, John Dar. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And you can pick up the phone at 1850 104 106. But texting is very important. It's a free food Friday again today, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Farm Pizza, because it is Friday. So we'll have three winners today. Each will receive four pizzas plus two sides uh, to go with them. And then we'll send you the vouchers. And you can pick them up piping hot then at the new Oak Farm Pizza outlet in Douglas, the East Village, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, or Gillabby Street. So you're spoiled for choice with the new store open now at the East Village in Douglas. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 and we'll start the shout outs in about a half an hour's time. Meanwhile, it's day five of our giveaway in association with the Carewswood Garden Centre and Cafe in Castle Martyr. Go down, check it out over the weekend. You'll enjoy it. So we have 50 euro Carewswood Garden Centre vouchers every day and later this morning, the super deluxe Weber Genesis Gas Grill Barbecue. It's the bee's knees. It really and truly is. All sorts of meals. Breakfast, lunch and dinner. The lot can be done on this. And it's just a great bit of kit. It's worth 1,500 euro. So yesterday, I gave you three sounds from the garden. All right. So there was a lot of fun with that. I saw a lot of people texting on it, even though it was a phoning competition. And the vast majority were getting it right. But the winner from yesterday is Laura O'Connell from Carrig Navarre. So a 50 euro voucher for you, Laura. And into the final you go. These were the three pieces of garden audio yesterday. A woodpecker, a lawnmower, and a sprinkler system. Well done to everybody, and congratulations, Laura. You can't beat the old woodpecker, so you can't. <laughs> An old Woody Woodpecker himself. So, today, three more sounds that you need to pick up on for a 50 euro voucher and into the final for today's draw for the barbecue. So, here are the three guess the garden sounds. It's a montage again of three different sounds all together. Don't call, just have a listen. Just picture it as being a a sunny, sunny afternoon. First one and the third one probably okay, I would imagine. Maybe the middle one might present a slight problem. Don't stray too far from 
Say, for instance, what we're actually giving away. I'll say no more than that. But those are the three sounds. Need them all identified. Don't call till I open the phone lines. And that would be around about uh, 20 minutes, uh, quarter to midday. And we'll do the draw then when we return to it. Okay. So thanks for that. Best of luck with it. And I'll play him another couple of times between now and quitting time. Um, From yesterday's program, listening to one particular caller who said that young people are turning out the way the city is making them. That's a load of nonsense. Incidentally, you might think it was a load of nonsense, but I was very interested in what he had to say yesterday with regards to we are responsible for the shaping of our own youth. Anyway, you think it's nonsense. It's their own choice to go around behaving as thugs. My 20-year-old son was in town Saturday night with another friend for a birthday meal and a drink. From behind, someone hit him into the back of the head. When he turned around, he got a box into the face and was knocked to the ground. He hit his mouth on the footpath, knocking out three quarters of one of his front teeth. He was so badly shook up over the incident, now has to undergo extensive, expense, expensive dental work to try and save the tooth. I'm just so angry and so upset over this. He was doing nothing wrong, only walking down the street. He doesn't even want to report it because he said, what's the point? Even if, he, if they did find who did it, what would actually happen? Nothing. Same old, same old, slap on the wrist. The city's become so rough and is actually unsafe now. More guardi are needed on the streets. Don't give up my details. I don't want him identified. Uh, yeah, it's, that's just another example of what is commonly termed as a sucker punch, except he was hit from the back. He was hit in the back of the head when he turned around. He got punched defensively and taken by surprise straight into the face. I've heard of that in the past where people have ended up in hospital. I know of a particular case where a fellow was punched for no reason in a queue getting into a nightclub, ended up in hospital being monitored because of a potential bleed to the brain. Yeah, so I can understand your anger actually with regards to that and I can understand why you think that, you know, it's all sorts of nonsense when you talk about trying to educate or mollycoddle thugs. Shiona says parents should be fined and jailed. Under 16s constricted into hard army drill for a year. This kind of carry out has uh, carry on has to be stamped out. Parents are accountable always at the end of the day. Uh, deducting fines, as was suggested by Councillor O'Flynn at Source from Social Welfare, a great idea. A curfew is needed until they learn a lesson. It's only a minority of kids who are bad and disrespectful. The majority are brought up well. I'm a Cork man with a Belgian mother, and let me tell you, you don't want to um, pee off a Belgian woman. If I was stepping out of line, I'd get, a, I'd get a whooping. But it's made me the man I am today. I have a great respect for my mother because she made me better. I also have a great respect for society because of her teaching. Parents today have their children out uh, of some mistaken sense of self-entitlement. Uh, and they're handing over the rearing of their children to society or whoever will do the job for them. Uh, my 14-year-old daughter played a GAA match last week. The bullying of one girl started on the pitch and continued afterwards. One girl screamed at my daughter in front of me. And all the trainers were saying was, what the F are you looking at? Nothing was done to reprimand them. If my daughter did that in front of adults, I'd kill her and embarrass her in front of them. The carry-on at that GA match was a disgrace with what kids are allowed to get away with. Uh, and then lots more um, with regards to this. What's happening today is that all parents are working and don't really know where their children are. So when my children were young, I always was at home and there was no such thing like tellies in their rooms. They would badly want to turn off the televisions, the iPads and the laptops. Get rid of them out of their life. I worry, Neil, about them and all those horrible games they're playing. The parents today would badly want to cop on. And even if it means giving up their jobs for the time being and minding the most important things in their lives, 
It's not really the children's fault. It's the parents. They are your kids and you should be responsible for them, says Marie from Clon. To the phone lines we go. Larry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And I bless you for holding. You were a guard in the 70s, 80s and 90s in Cork. Is that right? Yeah, Cork County. Uh, Cork, uh, big towns in North Cork Division, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So uh, would it be fair to ask you to compare and contrast now with then? Is it even possible? Uh, there's no comparison, Neil. No comparison. Um, what, in my experience, what they've done, uh, and not the Garda's fault or not the local super or the local chief, they are doing their very best. I always found that, that they were always very supportive and they've done their best. But for some reason, and I can, it's, to me, it's a no-brainer and it's very straightforward, I think. It's the day they took the guard off the streets, the Garda and the town patrol was a human sponge. The amount of people he met in that seven or eight hours that he was out there, the business people he met and spoke to, the information they gave him, told him, and not only that day, but even they'd go back two or three days and tell you they saw such and such a fellow doing this, that, the other, mm. or such and such a fellow was around with a car and, mm. and God, I think he'd known children, so blah, blah. They gave, the, they spoke to the guard, the guard got a chance of talking back to him and it was a much, much more open society. Uh, you know, I mean, you can travel through the, the whole of Ireland today and you will not see a, a guard on the streets. Mm. Mm. I mean, so- it's not the guard's fault. So they were picking up intelligence all the time while on the beat, if you like. Absolutely. He was a human sponge, in my opinion. You know, he, he, the amount of, I mean, the businessman, I remember going down the street in the morning at nine o'clock, he'd be starting nine to five or half nine to half five, and the business people, he, God rest him, a lot of them are in the graveyards, and they'd be setting up for the day, and they'd, the first thing they'd say to you, like great to see a guard it's great to see the guard out in the street they'd say you know <laughs> and a bit you'd start a bit of banter then with him and they'd be delighted to see you they felt they felt assured you know they, yeah. they, they were delighted to see you out in uniform and, and looking well and, well were they you know, simpler times were they simpler times then really in the sense that you didn't have the same were, challenges yeah, I mean, with regards to drugs or yeah. knife carrying yeah. and there's no doubt there were simpler times society wasn't as vicious we're in a vicious society Neil and I feel the Garda is not being supported by the politicians. As I said already, the super or the chief, he can't do, his hands are tied as well. He would love to see his men out on the streets and have, he hasn't got them. But, we all, got but them. people, many people constantly go back to the fact that they seem to see an awful lot of Gardaí and squad cars on traffic duty or speeding or, yeah, you know, and, yeah, and they yeah. feel annoyed but, about that when they should be involved well, in criminal deterrent. But I, 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 I mean, I think a lot of people are wired by that, you know. No, I mean, obviously they have to be there. There is, I mean, there is drunk drivers. Don't get away from it. There's drug drivers. There's the, the, the traffic court. They're doing a fabulous job as well. And indeed, there's not enough of them in it either. But you know, the accusation from many in the public is that they're just revenue collectors. Yes, well, you see, I, in my opinion, that's why they took the guard off the street. He wasn't productive enough. But I mean, did they not think how productive that that guard was to, to the people of the town and the people, uh, the people that lived in the houses around the town to see the guard out? They felt safe and they felt assured going about their business around the town. I mean, that incident that you just said there now before you came on to me about 
mean, it, it would never happen in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s there. That, was, that was, would have been a very rare occurrence. People have been assaulted now wholesale. And I mean, if people are afraid inside in their beds. I mean, that's, that's not right. I don't know how any government can stand over that. And it probably costs an, awful, it costs an awful lot more money not having guards on the street. You were making that point, weren't you, with regards to the Absolutely. criminal damage and court time? Yes, it's costing a fortune alone. If you just take, like, what is costing for the guardy themselves, what is costing for the, courts, the court services, the probation services, the prison services, people's quality of life, what is it costing? I mean, what was it costing to keep a guard out in the street or two guards on a day on, there'd be one on an early shift and one on a late shift. It was costing them nothing. Uh, I, I go back, you probably remember there was a great chief in Cork there. There was a couple of great chiefs in Cork there, Kerry men over the years. There were mighty men, Joe Long and the Culligans and all them. The Adrian Culligan, yeah, super, super, yeah. super, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Adrian and his brother Paddy, they were all great men in their time, but there was one great man there, he was Patrick G. Power, I remember when I started out first in 1973. Um, he was a great firm believer of the, the guard on the street. When he came to the station on inspection, the first thing, he'd drive down the town, and if he didn't see the guard on the street, by God, he went back to the station and he, he gave it to the sergeant in charge, yeah. and often the guard might have just dropped back to the station for something or other, yeah. but by God, he'd be back out in the street very yeah. quick. And is that, possible, know, and is that possible to scale that up in a city then, do you think? Well, if you remember, Neil, now in, in conjunction to that, as I said, that chief, if you remember walking up and down McCorton Street back in the 70s and 80s and Patrick Street, the sight of two big six-footers walking along together on the street with the radio on, and they, I'll tell you one thing, you didn't cross them. They were dead sound fellas, very, very able men. They were all big men in the city too, of course. The gouger wasn't. The gouger wouldn't take them on too fast, or he wasn't too fast to go in and rob a shop, or steal a, an old lady's handbag, or knock her on the street mm. and take her bag off her, because mm. them men were there. Mm. And by God, when you came across them, they dealt with you. But, but there's not as much respect now, and, and incidentally, the guardy no. don't strike me no. as tall anymore. But, but what is the? Why was there a breakdown in respect? Is it because that their hands? Beca- you could you could lay your hands on someone before, but you can't now, right? Yeah, you can't you can't touch me. I see the young guards before I left. I'm gone eight years. Before I left the force, the young guards now are they're, they are afraid to get involved because there's so much authority over them. Their hands are tied. There's G suck. If they make the least mistake now, their life could be destroyed for two years. They're subject you know, automatically to an investigation, yeah, isn't it? They yeah. are straight away. They are reported, and they're ostracised in in. in like, 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 probably not deliberately, but they feel they're ostracised, and it could be hanging over them for two years, and it destroys. They go to bed with it, they get up with it. They are, they will never get involved again in anything too serious. They'll do what they have to do, and simply no more. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't blame them. I would not blame them. There are uh, the, the most of the men I worked with and women. I'd say ninety nine point nine nine of them were good, honest, and decent men and women. I'd say that for them. Okay, and they, they're still there. They're still there, but they're not being they're not being fairly treated by politicians. Larry, good call. Thanks for taking it. Appreciate it. Have a yeah. good weekend as always. Uh, Larry, former guard in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Uh, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Lads, we're back after back after the break. 
Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. With the big shout out to Kerry and all the girls at All Round Beauty in Mayfield celebrating 18 years in business this week. Congratulations, guys. Emerald Music Station of the Year. Cork's Red FM. All right, free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Morning to everybody at RPC Haulage in Granada, to the gang at uh, Grana Bra, her dental working hard as always. The Mega Drive in Bingo event in the showgrounds this Sunday. They're working hard preparing for everything. That sounds interesting. What's that about? The Mega Drive Bingo event at the showgrounds. Sounds like fun. Brothers of Charity Day Services are listening. So is everybody at Passage West Post Office. Safety Tech Fire are listening this morning. Morning, Niall. Everybody at Trevor Toolhar uh, on the Victoria Road. Dell and Ballancolic are listening. Anglesey Street Garda Station. Carberry Plastics in Clonakilty. Cork Distribution in Little Island. Good morning to all at Donovan Auto Services in Upper Glanmire. DPD, flat out through the pandemic, deserving pizza. Makeup by Laura in Ballyvalan. Amari Iron, Ireland on the Tremor Road. O'Driscoll Plant Hire in Ballygarvan. William O'Brien's office is on the Bandon Road. Riverview Vets in Ballancolic are listening this morning. And if I can turn this page, St. Killian Special School on the Old Yall Road, knock off for the summer on Monday. O'Donovan Life Pharmacies in Balafihan are listening. Uh, Aurier O'Donoghue Clark Auctioneers on uh, Cook Street. Everybody at Barter Travel in Bandon. Cork Cleaning Solutions in Money Gourney. Ballancolic Plumbing. Uh, and everybody working and listening at home, including John Mulcahy in Ballyvalan and Laura in Kilcully working for Cladera. Keep those texts coming. We'll do more shout-outs in about a half an hour's time. So text who you are and where you are to 0868-104-106. We'll come back to policing and the city and safety and criminality throughout the course of the morning because I have many different texts and emails on that. But in an effort to accentuate the positive, as you do with the weekend ahead, of course, the city and the suburbs have really upped their game when it comes to hospitality. I was dropping people in last night, actually, to eat on Princess Street. In fact, they were eating at Rossini and the buzz on Princess Street was incredible and then going in and coming back out I was on the Douglas Road and there was a great buzz at the Briar Rose they've put up loads of canopies outside the Briar and lots and lots of tables and everything safe and distance but very busy and a great buzz passing and it was a lovely evening and people were really happy and they were having their few drinks and enjoying their food but we tend to um, talk an awful lot about Princess Street when places like uh, Oliver Plunkett Street are flying and Carol Caroline Street and the Mall is doing its bit and also, in fairness, I have to say um, McCurtain Street also um, so a lot of different options for people these days and all of the satellite towns are also upping their game and if you're heading away at the weekend, you'll see that for yourself. I mean, it would be extraordinary now if you actually saw a horse in a horse box these days. There's so many of them out there adapted to food and coffee but down to um, to uh, Oliver Plunkett Street, which is absolutely flying, and it's important to hone in on these different streets who are making a huge effort. And Tracy Sweeney is the co-owner of the Market Lane Group. When I say Market Lane, they've got Market Lane, they've got Elbow Lane, and they've got Goldie, and she joins me by phone. Tracy, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Thanks well, for inviting me on. Yeah, you've so upped your game, and while I haven't had a chance to visit just yet, how's it been going? Oh, it's been absolutely, um, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, I suppose hospitality is just, you know, something we love to do. And the people have been, have been amazing. How have you managed uh, to adapt? Loving being outside again. 
How have you managed to adapt? Because clearly it's outdoors, not indoors. Have you have you the have you the area to work with? Yeah, we do. Well, thanks to the city council, we've you know we've got more area than you know than we previously had. You know, uh, we've got a bit more in Bleasby Street. We obviously still have our frontage, um, which obviously just outside Murphy Lane, but we're using the loading bay as well, which is is brilliant, and it's also brilliant for elbow next door. Um, and our neighbours across the road, um, Lori, Reeb, Eyebrow, and Galligans, when they close, uh, they allow us to use their front. Obviously, weather depending. So I was listening to the the weather. Uh, report there so I'm delighted it's going to be really sunny and the rain's going to stay away so I didn't know I didn't say really sunny I mean you're going to get sunshine <laughs> through it doesn't rain <laughs> no, we'll be good we'll be yeah, good it should yeah. be okay and pretty good for next week as well so you yeah. really are you're in the you're in the hands of the weather gods every day we really outdoors. are yeah we really are we call them sunshine tables you know so if, someone, if we can't see people under canopies and say look we have a sunshine table you know we can't guarantee it won't be you know it, it, it's a bit exposed but people are delighted they'll sit anywhere they're just delighted to be out and to be served. So, I mean, have you, have you managed to work out how, what kind of numbers you're doing by comparison to say when you, you're clearly nowhere near like what you could do indoors? Oh, no, yeah, no, we're nowhere near. I think, you know, I probably have about 50 covers, you know, uh, generally. But if, if the sun shines, we, we, can get, we can get lots more. It just depends. Obviously, again, it just depends on the weather, you know. And you have to it's rotate great, those yeah. tables, do you? We do. Well, we obviously adhere to government guidelines, you know, so you get the table, it's booked for an hour and 45. And um, so, you know, that's what people are told when they're sat down. So, you know, we rotate them that way. Oh, I, lo- I love I love, the good steak in, in Elbow oh. Lane and I love lunch <laughs> yeah, in the Market brilliant. Lane. I love yeah. lunch in the Market Lane. So I'm delighted Thank it's going so well. You have to come down now again. Unfortunately, <laughs> it looks as if July 5th may not happen indoors. How I do you know. Fe- how do you feel about that? Um, you know, I suppose we're just so used to all these roller coasters at the moment and we just have to adapt. We're just so delighted to be actually open and trading. You know, a delay is better than a close for us. So if it's, a, if it's a delay, it's a delay. But, you know, as long as our doors are open, as long as we can take bookings, you know, see our customers, see our regulars, you know, we're happy. We just, you know, we've got umbrellas. We can make it work. You're being optimistic and trying to put the best foot forward. And tell me, any, any problems with bringing staff back? Is there a um, shortage in recruitment or what? No, we've been really lucky, I suppose. Um, the majority of our staff have returned. And some people, you know, one or two you know, might have done other things, mm. you know, if they were in college, they might have got jobs to do with, you know, their degree and stuff. But the majority of our staff have, you know, have returned. Um, so it has been good. Now, obviously, we open inside because we do have the extra seats outside. We are looking for staff. Ah, yeah. Um, You're hiring then. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because the extra capacity, you know, we will definitely be looking for, for does, more people. Can I ask you a question? Because you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're a prominent business person, three businesses in the city. Does anybody hire now students for summer jobs anymore? Absolutely. Yeah, I've got students working here. Yeah, absolutely. And at what age would they be able to work? Um, Well, we go from 18, yeah, from 18 on. Because you can, because I know that you can take them a little bit younger with restricted hours kind of thing, you know? They would be restricted. They need, you know, longer breaks and stuff like that as well, you know. But uh, usually it's it's 18 on, you know. And I've had loads of CVs. If I could hire every person that is, have finished their leaving search have had so many applicants like it's really it's really nice to see loads of young people out there you know looking for work it's great and are you loving the buzz in the city I think it's terrific yeah 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 I, I love it you know I love I love hospitality anyway and 
you know, I've worked a couple of really long Saturdays and it was like, I felt like I was abroad when the sun was shining. I know. People are just so happy to be out. You know, we it's not just, obviously we've got Elmo, Market Lane, Goldie, but then, you know, you've the Oliver Plunkett and just the buzz up and down the whole street, everyone walking up and down, like, people are just delighted. Yeah, they're, yeah, you know, they're yeah. just delighted to be out, you know. And you spoke about the fabulous community spirit in the area there yeah. a few minutes ago yeah. where you've been able to adapt really an awful lot of the footprint there. Mm-hmm. I know that around the corner yeah. you've got uh, Olori Boutique, isn't it? Stevie mm. G's wife, Lisa, runs that and other stores yeah, in the area yeah. are allowing them to use their footpad area for you for dining yeah. tables in the evenings and stuff. It's a great community yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's just invaluable. Like you know that 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 kind of you know that kind of community spirit just makes us tick. You know, okay. and um, being able to you know they're so generous. You know they don't have to allow us to put tables outside their their lovely buildings, and they've just been amazing. You I, know, I all hope when all and they're the, all owned by women as well, which is amazing. You know, pick up the so, women in business. I yeah, hope that when yeah. all of this is over, an awful lot of the businesses. I know Barry's and Douglas, and I mentioned the Briar. I hope they continue with this outdoor option. I love it. You know, yeah, I I definitely think don't go. Ripping it all down. Yeah, oh, no, well, it, it, I suppose it depends on their capacity. It depends, depends on their ability to be able to serve the capacity outside and inside. Yeah. But if you can keep it outside, people need to feel comfortable wherever they are. They have a right to come in and dine. So if they want to come in and feel happy outside under a heater, they should be able to do that. Okay. You know, and I hope that we can keep providing that service for Long people. Long may continue. Busy weekend yeah. ahead then? Yeah. Please, God, yeah, we're booked out, but we have walk-ins available. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you up for something for nothing, though. That's the way I yeah, am. I'm, I'm very cheeky oh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. I'm yeah, no, we can. We're giving away dinner for two there in Market Lane. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, no worries. We'll do that maybe in about forty minutes' time. Dinner for two in Market <laughs> Lane, and you will love yeah. it. Have a great weekend, Tracy. Thanks for taking the call. Brilliant. Thanks for the call. Cheers. Thanks. Take thank care. Bye. Get Bye. out and about at the weekend, guys. The weather shouldn't be too bad. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. You know, talking about all things Cork, um, uh, earlier in the week, um, I played a song called Sun Valley Drive by John Neville. He had an album out there. I think he's a second album. He was a wonderful Cork man. The album, his first album was called Dance with the Wind. Um, and I just want to just chat about that for a couple of seconds, if you don't mind, because he sent me a copy of the album and a lovely handwritten letter actually thank you so much for getting back to me John and uh, we were he was just chatting about the album and one particular song that I had heard of from the album called The Wobbling Man and I promised earlier in the week that I, that I would play it and he sent me a copy of of the CD and I was wondering at the time whether or not he was talking from his own life and his own childhood when he spoke about The Wobbling Man uh, and he said to me the album contains the studio version of The Wobbling Man which is indeed about my childhood, he said, and learning to cope with parental alcoholism. And he said, thankfully, we made it through in the end. The song is searingly honest, and he's very open about his childhood. And I would think we're talking about a childhood of the maybe the, the late, maybe the mid to late 60s or perhaps early 70s, where his dad was, was, was suffering and uh, in the throes of alcoholism, made it very difficult in the home. Um, a powerful mother who reared them and, you know, provided for them. And to some extent, it talks about uh, his dad and his struggling with alcoholism and, and, and the family struggling, but also of, of his mother dealing with it at the time. I think it's a very moving song, and it just goes to show the amount of talent that we have on Lee's side. And you have John Neville on vocals, and Pat Crowley plays the most beautiful piano accordion, gorgeous ornamentation on it, and Nigel is on strings, and Martin Lee, who produced it, 
another superstar here on Lisa, an unbelievably talented guy, does guitars, uh, mandolin and bass. But, uh, you know, we talk about rearing children and what children go through or tough times and, you know, how much tougher it was was years ago. That This song sums all of that up. And it also goes to show that you, you aren't necessarily a product of, of, of your environment all of the time. That you can, as, as John Neville said to me in his letter, he said, thankfully, we made it through but uh, but I would love if you could just listen to it it's a beautiful song um, and listen to the lyrics this is the wobbling man I left unknowingly as a boy the wobbling man was like a toy you'd wind him up and let him go and watch him wobble to and fro That's something else. That's John Neville from the album Dance with the Wind and the Wobbling Man. You'll get further details on John Neville on a Google search and also find the album in itself. In fact, I have a copy of the album, which I'll give away just before midday today. And I'd say that that is a man who has tremendous love and respect for his own man, John Neville and the Wobbling Man. That is the type of talent that walks amongst us. Uh, more of that, please. So keep that coming if you're a singer-songwriter with... Uh, um, music to offer and it's deemed playable get in touch with me email neil at uh, redfm.ie and send me um, some kind of an audio link to your stuff and we'll see what we can do for you thank you John lovely letter thanks for coming back to me lines open at one 850 text 0868-104-106 some texts actually a reactive police force is no good we also need a proactive one by patrolling areas being on call to respond to crime. We also need more scenes of crime units to gather evidence after a crime's been committed. Those numbers are minuscule. The very same applies to sexual offence units. There are far few, too few in numbers, says Jerry. And just one or two more. It's time these little Scots were held accountable. The only way of doing that is hitting their parents' pockets. If the parents' lifestyle is affected by a lack of money, then you'll see change. They're above the law at the moment because they can't be touched, says Brian. Morning, I was in Cork a few weeks ago on a Saturday evening, 7 o'clock. Two guys that I know to be homeless were taken on and punched in front of me by a group of school-going youths. I'm a volunteer with Street Angels. I see this, says Katrina. And then Anthony says, correctly, Anthony says, how are they too young, as you suggest, when legally you can be prosecuted at the age of 12 Everything is now put down to antisocial behavior and it bypasses the big problem being caused. And he is right, actually. Um, the age of criminal responsibility is 12, but the age at which you can go to jail is 18. So I think it's fair to say between 12 and 18, you're probably looking at diversion programs and community sanctions and nobody really tends to take those terribly seriously. Anyway, keep those coming. Text 0868104106. I asked, I read out a, a shout out there in one of our Free Food Friday shout outs for a drive-in bingo event in the showgrounds. And I was thinking, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, there's such an exception now when you hear about events at all when it comes to COVID. Um, and it's Damien Shreenan, the great Damien Shreenan, who's behind it. And he joins me by phone just to let us know what it's all about. Damien, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Well done. So quickly, what is it all about? Uh, so it's it's bingo, um, with like a normal bingo game, except it's driving. So you enter the showgrounds, you'll be in your car, you'll have your bingo books. 
We've got like 10 games, 13 games of bingo. We've got music bingo. We've got raffles. We've got loads of fun for the day planned, basically. Just like bingo, if you went into a bingo hall and you, you were playing bingo, except obviously, so I've taken over um, from the, in Sunbeam Bingo in Balavalan. And we were closed at the moment. Yeah. There's lots of work and it doesn't look like we might even be able to open in July. So this was just an event, a big event. You're looking maybe 200 cars um, and people will just play a bingo, like a normal bingo hall, except if you have a bingo, obviously you can't get out of your car. You won't but how are they going to hear you if they're inside in the car? You, so you, we'll have a we'll have it going through the radio. So there's an FM a little transmitter thing, oh, and it goes through car people's car right. radios. And then if you've got a bingo, instead of shouting check, you just press your car horn, <laughs> and someone will run to you. <laughs> bingo! Yeah, I, obviously, obviously, the more money people win, the louder and longer the car horns will go for. Like if it's if it's for the thousand euro jackpot, it's like. Do you know what? Now, there's a few of them around the country and it's something that we've trying to get me being... I just love any kind of event. We've been just watching paint dry. I think it'll be brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, it's going to be great fun. Um, It's in the showgrounds out in Corraheen, so where the summer show is. Um, We've got food on the day of barbecue. There's two charity partners, um, My Cane and Companion and Shilla Quidu Cork. They do a homeless run every Sunday and Wednesday in Cork. So we're donating money to charity. Um, And there's barbecue food as well. It's Bad Boys Barbecue are providing the food in the day. So, you, you, yeah, it's everything. You stay in your car. You won't have to get out. And just go to the toilet, and the okay. toilets are there. And this and is Sunday, play, what time? Sunday at 2 o'clock. Do you have to um, book people, in or just rock up with car people, and horn? Yeah, pe- people can book in their car at the moment on drivingbingo.ie or they can just rock up on the day. If you want to go, Neil, <laughs> I will hold a space for you. Uh, and I know Brenda loves her bingo. Um, so, like... Um, <laughs> Or I won't be around. I'm heading. I'm heading west down to West Cork. My wife is desperately keen to take the Dursey cable car, so I have to organise that at some stage over the weekend. But I'd be there in spirit. You're, you're a man of leisure, Neil. I tell you, every week you're out <laughs> doing something. Where well, the rest of us are stuck working. No, um, I, I, well, I don't know whether you're working, but I hear you're still smoking mad, you dog. Yeah. Well, do you know what? No, I did take a sabbatical from work for a year, <laughs> and now I'm back at work. Oh, the stress levels are high again. <laughs> you always have an excuse. <laughs> but if you were looking for something to give away for free from Mark and if you want to give away a bingo for two for the drive and bingo Sunday, you can. Oh, this is great. We're on a roll this morning. So, so is that two cars? No, no, bingo for two of so two people. One car. Just jump in a car, the two of them, uh, and then they can... Um, they can they okay, can so I'll give that away just before midday for Sunday. But if one ha- wants to go, what is the cost? And so it's it's a bingo book, so like it's twenty two euro for a single book and thirty for a double book. So, but there's but there's four hours like we're out there. We'll be there for four hours from two o'clock till around. Well done, I don't. And there's loads of free games and prizes. I love this. All right, all for fun. All right, my man, off you go. Have a great day. Weather will be good for you as well Sunday, so all will work out well. Hope so. I hope so. (laughs) Mind yourself, kid. Cheers. Take care. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Uh, this is one that just keeps on giving. Earlier in the week, I was talking about mispronouncing words, and a lot of them are very Pacific to Cork. My friend says egg specially instead of especially. It wrecks my head. Oh, and people love picking up on me. You drive me mad when you refer to the year 2021 instead of 2021. I mean, it's not that hard. The previous centuries were 17, 18, 19. Why do you keep saying 2000? (laughs) I don't know. 
I can't do anything right. Um, Anglesey Street, as opposed to Anglesey Street, says Terry. And then many people of the posher variety don't say cork. They say cork, almost almost quark, quark. That wrecks Donald's head. My mam can't pronounce the word giant. She says joint. I used to work in hotels and bars and the butchering of Pinot Grigio and Sauvignon Blanc was very common. They were usually pronounced in Cork Pinot Grigio and Savignon Blanc. Someone else says, why do people in Cork say modern instead of modern? I don't know, because we're Cork, I suppose. And another one that wrecks my head is, why do people say Londonderry instead of Derry? <laughs> I love it. Keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go now. There's a day goes by I don't mention uh, scams and phone calls. And these days, of course, you're getting them from 087s, 086s, 085s. They're not always just overseas numbers or blocked numbers. They are Irish mobile phone numbers that have been harvested and hijacked. And the guards are warning about it all of the time. Marion, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Firstly, thank you so much because um, you did send on a video and the audio, I think it was of your son um, correct, chatting yeah. with the scam artist. I'll play That's a little correct. bit of that in a minute, but it's an 087. What was it all about? Well, basically, uh, it was like before. They came on and they were asking about his PPSA number and that there was a file about him um, for a drug drugs and did, laundering money. Did they claim to be Gardy, was it? Oh yes, yes. He gave his name, he gave his badge number and he gave a file number on my son. But his English is shocking and I think the call originated in India, did it? Well, it was actually somebody, I'd say, from India or wherever but you would hear it. You can, I mean, you can hear it on the, the what I sent on to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he played and, along with it, your son, didn't he? Oh yeah. And after that call, he got another call from the same person saying, why did you hang up the phone? You, you, see like, you seem to be like a guilty man now. <sighs> well, we play, I mean, it, it, well, is it a good time now just to play 60 seconds of it? Yeah, fine. Okay, this is just an isolated 60 seconds. And your, your man yeah. actually, he's, he's even quite difficult to understand. Understand, yeah. yeah have a listen. There's two allegations under your name, the drug trafficking and money laundering. <laughs> so, do you have any information about this? No, I just, uh, I'll be honest, no, I, I, I'm very worried. I'm oh, sitting here like this and that. No, I, I don't know anything about it, you know. Okay, let me tell you something. Yeah. All the suspicious activities the criminal is doing under your PPS number. Okay. The criminal have rented a car. They are making... They, they are dealing with drugs. I don't... They're transporting... They're transporting cocaine and everything. Yeah, the criminal are just dealing with cocaine with the help of your information. And is it just cocaine? Is there any other drugs there? No, no. We just found 22 pounds of cocaine. Okay. In the house... The house, the address was linked with the car. The car was rented with the person who was misusing your PPS number. So they're driving around in a car with my name and 22 pounds of cocaine? Yeah, because the person who's misusing your identification, they're using your identity to deal with drugs. They're using your identity to rent a car, to make a fake account, to transfer thousands of euros. How does he expect to get any money out of anybody when his story is so bloody complicated? I tell you now, Neil, I'm sorry for laughing, but all we could do was laugh. And He's not even good he, at what he's doing. 
No, no. Basically, I mean, he asked him for his, the last four digits of his PPSA number, which, as you saw, you heard at the start of it, he said 007. Yeah. He gave his name as Roger Moore, <laughs> which was hilarious. I love it. And like, <laughs> we were there standing and just laughing. We thought, like, how stupid can a person be? Yeah. What and did he want? Did he ultimately want bank account details, was it? Well, basically what he was saying to him was that his PPSN number is now after being deleted. It can be no longer used. And even when he went to pull up the files, he basically was telling him like that. He had a file with that PPSN number and that name. And what did he want your son to do to get the PPSN number back? Is it give him money? Obviously, yeah. obviously, because he said that he will be, they will be contacting him again, not to share this information with nobody. I mean, it's just, I mean, should, should, we, should we engage and wind them up like your son did? I think so. Or should we just exactly. hang up? No, I think the best thing to do is to actually engage with them and just give a wrong name, wrong PPSN number, and even the air code that my son gave him was totally wrong. Everything was wrong. So we and should take some time out of our life, maybe 10 or 15 minutes when we get this call and frustrate them. That's basically what people need to do. <laughs> it stops the calls. But your man called back a second time, didn't he? And a third time. Oh, for God's sake. Why a third time? Because my son hang up again. And he said, Mr. Mr. Roger, <laughs> <laughs> you hung up the phone again on me. So all we could do was laugh. So my son just hung up the phone. And then did he stop calling? He stopped, but he is going to call again because he said he has to get on to his superiors and they are going to take it from there so you will be hearing from them again. Okay, so it could be the guards, it could be <laughs> social welfare, it could be the HSE, all sorts Whoever. of characters you making know, these calls. Like basically they are, I mean, at the end of the day, the reason I sent it in to you was because I said there are vulnerable people out there that would actually take that on board. If you could even follow what he was saying, like... Well, basically what he said was um, that there was his, his... He asked him, did he lose his wallet or anything? He said no. Um, basically what they want is the PPSN number. Once they have that, they can get up the person's name. They have everything from there. But the fact that my son said 0007... Roger Moore. And his name was Roger Moore. Yeah, maybe and maybe it's enough for them to get the PPSN number, you know? Maybe that's all they're looking for. Is that's somebody's all they PPSN want. Number. Once they have your PPSN, they can just stick it in and off they go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. If, if he calls back again, let us know, you know? I wonder. I will, of course. And you got to wonder where he got your son's number in the first place. But, but this is it. They're just random numbers. So you're saying engage... Give them fake PPSs. With them give them makey-uppy bank accounts. Yeah. Even if a bank account, if they ask for that, just make up some number but write it down as your... Because the official line from the Gardaí is do not engage with them. They, well, they say that. But to me, I think if you give them wrong information, there's nothing they can do. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, I'd love to get some more audio from people who are winding up these characters, you know? I really would. Well, but you are right, there's... I think it will. I think it will happen again. And when it does, 
I will send it to you. Okay, thanks for that, Marion. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay, Cheers. Because Marion is right. You know, unfortunately, you they will eventually hit on someone who's vulnerable. And sometimes it's your PPS number. Other times it's, times it's bank account numbers. They say your account's been compromised. We're called. Actually, listening to that audio, this character reamed off a load of different Irish bank names. So they do a little bit of research, but they say don't engage with the caller, don't return the call, don't push button one, two, or three when they ask, you know, automated instructions and things like that. Never, ever give out bank account details, never transfer money, never disclose personal or financial information. Hang up and block the number if possible. That's the official line in it. I just got a scam call and want people to be aware of it. I picked up the phone and there was a recorded message saying that. There'd been illegal activity on my internet account and to press one to speak to someone, which I did. The lady on the other end was asking me about what devices I have and about my passwords. When I asked where she was from, she said, air. This rang alarm bells as I'm not with them on my internet. My sister also got a call, so I just want people to be on their guard. Well, you did press one and it's been the advice is not to. You know, not to call back, not to take the call. Um, if you had given out your passwords, of course, those passwords also could have opened online banking. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. And 104 to 106 Red FM. Free Food Friday as well with Oak Farm Pizza. So text who you are and where you are to 086-814-106. And we'll do some more shout outs again just after 11. Three winners today, four pizzas each with two sides. Courtesy of ourselves and Oak Farm Pizza. To the phone lines we go. Anthony's got a lot going on in his life at the moment. Anthony, good morning. Oh my God, Neil, good morning. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Well, nor do I, because I know where to start. You're fed up with the coverage of Princess Diana. You're trying to give up the fags. You're being plagued with scam calls as well. Where to begin? Yes, similar to that lady that was done just before me. Yesterday morning at half the stage, I got a phone call and it was a recorded message. And it was an, an English lady, a really posh English voice. Um, this is the Department of Social Protection there has been um, fraud activity on your PPS number in the Dublin area. Please press one. Mm. And I thought, are you having a laugh? Like, I hung up straight away. The only reason I answered it is because I'm waiting for my second vaccine and they normally ring from an 083 number. And that was, the the call was from an 083? Yeah. 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 So and people t- I, I no more pressed one. I thought the Department of Social Protection ringing at half past eight in the morning, they wouldn't answer the phone. I know, I know. In the middle of the day, never mind ringing. The other night, actually, morning. at a quarter to ten. <laughs> they wouldn't be ringing you in the month of Sundays. Uh, I, got a, I got a call from an 085 at quarter to ten at night. I was looking at it saying... What are you doing, like, trying to scam somebody at a quarter to ten at night? At least do it during office hours, you know? I don't have to stay at the Department of Social Protection. And like I said, the last time I rang the Department of Social Protection, I was on hold for an hour. And I said it to the woman, and she said, if you don't like it, take it up with Joan Burton. She was the Minister for Social Welfare at the time. (laughs) That was, but you you didn't answer the scam call, though. Oh, no, I didn't press one. I just hung up straight away. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one here. People are connecting it to the hacking. Uh, I got I got away with all of these scam calls until yesterday. I went to see a consultant in the Mercy. She entered my number into the system, which they previously didn't have. So maybe these numbers are a result of the HSE hack. After An hour after she entered my number, the calls started. 
And in the space of the day, I received five scam calls. It's a complete head wreck. And there's others saying, is any of this connected to people's numbers being released in the hack? You know? Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. There must be some connection because, I mean, that's the only reason I answered it. I wouldn't answer an unknown number anyway, but I thought it might have been about when your second dose is due. Okay, okay. All right, I see a lot of texts coming in, so I will come back to them. Why Why are you fed up of people, uh, and there's an awful lot of red-top coverage of Princess Diana because she... Uh, she would have been uh, 60, isn't it? 60 uh, the first 60 week in July? next Thursday. Yeah, and what, I mean, why is it a bad idea to mark such a beautiful woman in such a short life? Well, you know, I kind of, I was a fan of hers. And then over the years, I saw more and more coverage and things that happened and things that went on. And she wasn't what she seemed. I know she did a lot for, she kind of did expose that AIDS patients it's not contagious and this that and the other and shaking hands with AIDS, pa- AIDS patients I thought was a very brave thing to do at, at that time but what people don't seem to realise what I didn't like really was the way that the royal family were blamed for her death and people have all these conspiracy theories that it was all planned and this that and the other but to go back to her childhood I don't know Many people would know it. Many people may not know it. But her mother actually walked out and had an affair and walked out when she was just a child. And her mother's, her grandmother was a lady-in-waiting to the Queen Mother and she actually testified against her own daughter in court in the divorce proceedings. Why is that in any way of interest to people who love Princess Diana? Because her father then was single for a while and he remarried and he married this woman called Rain. And Rain was a local, she was a counsellor in Westminster. That's another word that's mispronounced. It's Westminster, not not Westminster. (laughs) She was a counsellor in Westminster and she fell in love with Princess Diana's father. Diana was, was having none of it. And it was the start of her shoving people down the stairs routine. For her first Christmas, she gave her a present of the biography of Marie Antoinette. And we all know what happened to Marie Antoinette. Then she used to sing in front of her, rain, rain, go away, come back another day. But she was a child, perhaps. She was young and immature. I mean, And she christened her Acid Rain. And she pushed her down the stairs. Maybe she just didn't like the woman. Um, Yeah, but you think that's kind of the start of... um, She was a bit messed up before she even met the royal family or had anything to do with them? I think she was very much in love and thought that it was a fairy tale romance and, you know, she was going to become a princess and have children and live happily ever after. Uh, And, of course, what we do know is that that never happened and... She gave the Panorama interview and we found out an awful lot about how she was treated by Charles. Felt very sorry for her over that. Yeah, well, you see, you're going down the normal route again like everyone else. Well, it's the only route that I know that she was looking for love, may have found it with Dodi Al-Fayed, seemed to be getting happy. I mean, there was very intrusive long-lens photographs of her down in Saint-Tropez on yachts with him and everything. And then we know what happened at the Ritz in Paris and then... Trying to evade well, the paparazzi, she lost her life. That's, that's just all very sad. 
that's it is very sad but she was a very troubled woman before she ever entered the royal family and as you bring up about the act with Dodi Al-Fayed now if I wanted privacy I wouldn't go out on the top of the diving board to be photographed if I wanted privacy and she knew well there was photographers you're saying that she engaged in manipulating the media well maybe but maybe she was just on her holidays trying to get some sun you know yeah, and what best way to do it? Go right out where you could be photographed the most, right on the diving board of the yacht. Mm, yeah, I mean, how in the name of God could Diana have ultimately played a part in the tragedy of her own death, as you said in a text? She did, because she followed her boyfriend's advice at the time, Dodie Fayed, and she suspended her own driver and her own security. Nobody knew the driver of that car was drunk. Yes, but it wasn't a royal driver. She still had access to a royal driver and she still had access to security, but he convinced her to suspend them, that he'd look after her. And both of them in the crash, neither of them were wearing a safety belt either. Whether that would have made any difference, I don't know. But she and her ODL Fayed's father then just wanted to make himself into some kind of, he wanted to buy respectability and to be in the same class as royalty because there was no Al apparently if you put Al in front of Fayed wherever they're from it makes it sound more like um, an aristocratic name Well, I mean that's so, neither here nor there really I suppose the issue is that he said it was a, it was a hit job, that it was a contract taken out, that's yeah. what he was saying all no, of the time No it wasn't, it was that, his son's fault Hang on, hang on a second there, Lisa. Hi, Neil. I may come back to this after 11 because I may well run out of time. But anyway, do you want to jump in on this? Is, is, is Anthony being cruel or what? I have to make it very quick because I'm going for my vaccine, right? And Good. I have to go so anyway, Neil, just to, be, just to tell you, Princess Diana didn't have a great relationship with, with Rain, the, the lady that her father married. But towards the end when she got divorced... They had a very good relationship before Princess Diana died and they became best friends. So everything yeah. was sorted on that front. Yeah, you know? that's so, after her um, mother rang her up and she dismissed, she called her. But, I won't say what she called her because but, she was going out with a foreigner. Her but mother we have all, referred the, to her in a racist way. And then Diana, being manipulative, rings up Rain after 15 years why and becomes best friends that, with her. Why does any of that matter in the tragedy it of her death? Because, because it shows how manipulative she was. You know, Anthony, can I get a word in it, please, before I go for my vaccine, please? Go ahead, yeah, I'll come back later. Go on, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. She was a lovely lady, Diana. she done an awful lot of good. She was the first normal person in the um, <laughs> because they were very stuffy and they never cared. They looked down on people. So I just think she was the first normal one amongst them who was nice to people. And I think she done an awful lot of good. And I just think I love her. And any program that's there, whether I see it before or not, I watch it again because I just adored her. She got an awful raw deal from Charles. He treated her very badly and made her very unhappy. And towards the end of her life, she started to get a bit of a happiness back and she started to stand on her own two feet and really came into herself. I love the way you... I agree 100% with your summation there. You know, and Anthony, yeah. don't don't we all have skeletons and make mistakes and take wrong turns in life and yes, have bad no, judgments? I have she to go. Off you go. Good luck with the jab. Take care. Cheers, Lisa. Take care. Yeah, sorry, Anthony. Go on. I wouldn't call pushing my stepmother down the stairs normal, 
as a teenager. And I wouldn't call throwing myself down the stairs during my adult life normal either, to be quite honest with you. And she was an attention seeker. And she was troubled. But it's still... She fell out with her mother. And then when Rain Spencer, just as that lady just said, they're the caller before me, when her stepmother, after her father died, Diana got the maids, Diana and her brother, Earl Spencer, got the maids to pack up her stuff. And the maid packed up her stuff in suitcases and she was told to get out of the Altharp Estates, that family home. And Diana said, no, don't put them into suitcases, put them into bin liners, into black bags. And then she becomes best buddies with her when her mother basically sister her out. But that's a sidebar, that isn't it? All of that's a sidebar to the bigger event. No, it's not a sidebar. She loved it's her two sons. We could see that. Like She doted over them totally and was a great mother. Yeah, and her son now is after marrying his mother. Another attention-seeking psychopath. You don't like Meghan Markle either? Oh, I love her. I think she's fantastic. What I I thought was very interesting about that is it has now come out that Prince Charles gave them millions of euro when Meghan and Harry went off to America. Um, We don't don't know what to believe about that story anymore. There are so many holes in the Harry story. Yeah. Remember he said he was cut off? He He wasn't cut off by all accounts. He wasn't cut off. Of course he wasn't. And he got a trust from the Queen Mother, his grandmother. And he'll have that for another couple of years. That's not going to run out yet. So, so you I mean, won't be, you won't be, I'm out of time for now, but you won't be marking Princess Diana's 60th. Did, did, did somebody tell me that you send Christmas cards to the Queen? Yes. Every year? Yes. So you're a Queen, you're a fan of the Queen then? Well, I like all royalty, not just British royalty, but I find, I just think this whole thing with Diana and after she died, like with this, whole thing, the only person that I kind of agreed with when her coffin was going past the palace, Princess Margaret was sitting next to the, was standing next to the Queen, and the Queen bowed, but Princess Margaret just looked around, she couldn't care less. She was on holidays in Mustique, and she said, oh, I have to come back from my holiday. She, she's the only person I know in the world that could be more annoying dead than when she was alive. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> alright I'll pick it up after 11 appreciate it if I don't get back to you have a good weekend I'm Rory and I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench that's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show A little bit of housekeeping We have our fifth and final 50 euro Carewswood Garden Centre and Cafe Voucher to give away And that's for Carewswood Garden Centre In Castle Martyr And also then All finalists We're going to withdraw For the Super Deluxe Weber Genesis Gas Grill Barbecue It's 1500 euro worth Of barbecue And down to Castle Martyr To Carewswood To take a look at it It's a fabulous Fabulous barbecue I envy you so uh, based on that we have some more audio for you this is three little pieces all kind of stitched together sounds that you should be hearing in the garden please don't call just yet but I will open the phone lines at around about a quarter to midday identify these three different garden sounds alright all mixed in that's the third one all mixed in together. A lot of activity in the back garden there. So I'll give it one more spin. 
uh, before midday and open the phone lines then, okay? And you can call those three pieces of audio. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves, an Oak Fire Pizza. Uh, morning to Mary and everybody in Argos and Maham Point. to be a great treat for the team. Everybody at the Dean Hotel, Little Island Transport in Tivoli, Cheeky Cherubs and Ballancolic are listening, JBC Centre of the Cope in Glasheen, um, and Amy Barrett attends there, and Caroline was in touch to say they do great work. Morning to Andrew, hope you keep him well, working at home since the start of the pandemic. We are finally having a barbecue today with one guest coming to the family home. It would be great to have some delicious oak fire pizza. Uh, Chris Tobin's at Ballyvalan. He's just mad about pizza, he says. Everybody uh, working at uh, the well-being, sorry, the Weight Wellbeing Clinic in Mallow. Uh, morning to you all. Got no sleep last night after the second jab. Would love an evening off cooking. Uh, morning to Trish, who's listening at home, turned 60 recently and would have a pizza garden party would make her day. Um, apparently Michelle had the Rebel Pizza during the week from Oakfire Pizza. OMG. They want more of it. And the Fab Four, Jody, who's 23 today, Ivan, Sam and Isa, working hard in Basel in Blackrock. And a big shout out to Alex Kandelan, who is playing in the under-20s in the Six Nations Rugby tomorrow. All his neighbours and friends in Blackrock are so proud of him, and I bet that his parents are too. Everybody at PMC Commercials in Ballinhasic, JP Darcy Car Care and Performance are listening, the Cope Foundation, Arts and Hobbies, the Republic of Work, Magdalene Kitchens, who are flat out, Joe Crowley Oils, Expert Attic Conversions in Grange, and Magic Vacations in Kinsale. So I hope to get one more shout out between now and midday. So you're about 15 minutes now to text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Back to the phone as we go, Shauna, good morning. Jeremy. Okay, I'm well. A um, bit plagued from these stupid rogue phone calls from scam artists. But other than that, I'm not too bad. How about you? Um, yeah, I get a lot of them. Like I say, in the past, I say six months, weekly, I probably get maybe three or four calls a week. Um, and I know what happened. I get that a day, Sean. I get that a day. Yeah, mine is getting less. But like I noticed what happened. Cause I, if you type your, if you have an email address, what I was showing, like my wife and Peter showed me, there's a website online that if you put in your email address, it can show you where your page or where your account may have been hacked. And um, mine was, mine was hacked because I remember I, I think I downloaded some app on my phone. I can't remember. Oh, Pat Phelan told me the name of that actually, and it, you, you can run a check on your phone number and good. your email it's and good all. To check. Yeah, because yeah. I think it's a relief people to know as well. Where, what was where it? it? Do you recall off the top of your head what it was? Um, I can't remember the top of my head, but I can send it on to you after. Please try and get it to me before midday if you can. It's yeah, it. yep. very straightforward, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, but what I did on my phone, like obviously some phones are going to be different. Um, I suppose it has to be more kind of up-to-date phones. But on mine at the moment, um, I have security settings turned on that if I get um, a scam call, my phone tells me. So I don't answer it anymore. Like I get a notification on my phone. Like if I got one yesterday actually, I sent a, pho- I sent a photograph in to you a while ago about it. And... Um, Yesterday in work, it came up on my phone saying potential fraud, and it's a big like red. Red, I get, I get that as well. But not all of the time. Sometimes, as if it's zero zero four four English number, I don't get potential scam. And sometimes when it's oh eight fives and oh eight threes, it doesn't say scam. Sometimes it does, but not all the time. You know. See, I see that there could be some settings could be on. Like it depends on what phone you have. I suppose I know some phones will be a lot more up to date. But I know like I have Samsung now, so with some people, I suppose if they're a bit worried about scam calls. Because I know sometimes you're not going to answer. If you see a really weird number coming up, you're not going to answer it. But the ones I get sometimes look like they're from Dublin or something, which I've answered them before. 
um, and I said potential fraud on it, but I ignored it because I was like, oh, look, that could be, I don't know, I remember at the time I was actually ringing the revenue, so I don't know in my head, I was like, it could be something like that. Yeah. But I could tell by the voice on the other side of the phone, it was not revenue. So what is the away. point in blocking, blocking, blocking? They just keep coming back with different numbers. Well, they do keep coming back, they do. And I think if you answer once as well, they just, I, yeah, because I think once the number is leaked, it's pretty much game over. Like my phone now, I know it's out there, my number. So I'm just used to getting the calls now. So I just, I just straight away, I just hang up. Even I've gotten to the point now that if I'm not sure of a number, even if it is an 087 number, I'll actually just leave it ring through. Just totally I'll ignore it. it, I know. I wonder do many people change their phone number? They, well, I don't know if people change it, but I suppose if for, I suppose like my grandmother now and stuff, like I know her, she's a flip phone now, like it's Nokia thing, so I don't think she could have the settings turned on on her phone. But what I can do for some people if they're a bit worried, um, I can send in the directions on my phone how to turn on that setting because it does work. Like there's obviously some cases some numbers will slip through. But uh, I think it works the same way as WhatsApp. Remember when all the COVID messages are being sent to like 100 people at once and yeah. WhatsApp stopped doing that. But like, that's the same as a spam message. You can't send it to 100 people at once. Oh, they do. They do. They have their little factories going. Um, I wonder, is that website, Kyle, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, is it called I've Been Pawned? Something like that, I think. That's Pond, I think is the word. Pond. Like when you go onto it, it's like a blue, it's a blue banner and you just type in your email address and it just tells you that if you've been hacked and then it tells you where, like where it's happened. Okay, or okay, okay. Like okay. If you sign up to something like a newsletter, if that newsletter got hacked, then your details would be shared as well, if you get me. So like, Maybe that's just, just the world going like forward. We're just going to have to tolerate these nuisance calls. I can't oh, see it changing. You, know? you don't, don't, you don't engage at any time. You don't. No, no, I don't bother. I just be too nervous. Like I'm, like, I'm a student, like, so I don't, I'm not a millionaire. I don't have a lot of money to my name in the first place, so I don't really want to be scammed at all because that would just Good be an absolute disaster. Like, so I just, okay. I just ignore it completely. Emer, Emer's worked out the uh, web address. It's called have I been pawned.com P-W-N-E-D have I been P-W-N-E-D Dot com. Check it out. Good for you. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank Take you. care. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Back to the phone lines we go. In the UK, they call it the UK's most dangerous plant. It's called giant hogweed. And we have it here. And you need to be aware of it, particularly if you're out walking or strolling or enjoying the fresh air or out in the countryside of a day or over the weekend. Norma, good morning. Good morning, Neil. No. Um, I rang up there uh, about the hogweed. Now, I don't have the giant one in my garden. I have the common one. But I wonder, uh, is there anything I could get to kill it? As far as I know, it's a weed. I need a horticulturist on that or somebody from a garden centre, and I can certainly maybe get one. I don't know if I can get one on short notice, but you've sent, they've sent me photographs of hogweed stings and these enormous blisters on people's legs. What do you know about hogweed? Um, all I know is my daughter got it up and she said if you get a sting it can go into your blood and it takes years to get rid of it and it's very, very painful. Do you use weed killer or anything like that? No, we don't. I mean, all we have in our garden is grass. But this, I think this weed blew in to a corner of my garden and it's kind of coming out more and more, I'm afraid, in case it take over the garden. And do you know it to be dangerous hogweed? Are you sure that's what it is? It's definitely hogweed because my husband got it up on his phone and my daughter got it up on the internet. But it's not the giant one. 
I wonder, is there a difference then? Is it, uh, is it less dangerous, the one that you have? It could be less dangerous, but I mean, um, if I've it's related to the, the giant one, it could be dangerous. I mean, I've seen the photographs of uh, people who have rubbed up against it. Um, and they're, I mean, it's just massive blisters on their legs, massive blisters on their hands. And it takes years to get rid of it. It could go into your blood system. Okay, well, you'd never know who might be listening that might be able to kind of uh, fill in the blanks as to what to do with the damn stuff. Yeah, even if I could get a weed killer or something, because I'm afraid in case it takes over my garden, because I have a dog, you know. Yeah, and and and, uh, and where where are you? Where are you? Are you in the? Are you out in the country? I am. Yeah, I think we're on White Church, is it? White Church. No, it's just an ordinary garden. I have. I'm not a farmer or anything. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Anybody with any advice on hogweed, which can be very dangerous if it gets into your system, I know it. I know what you're saying. Um, and I think the the worry is, should you try and cut it back yourself, or you know, should you bring in professionals? Well, no, you're or you're not supposed to go near it. You're not supposed to cut it. Like if you get this thing, then you're in trouble. Okay, okay. Hogweed, I'm lads. Is there, is there something I could put down or get it put down that I could kind of kill it or get rid of it? Okay, hopefully I'll get a call on that and see if anybody who has uh, maybe advice or might be a bit of an expert in it and we'll come back to it, all right? So hang in there and let's see what happens, okay? All right, Neil, um, I'll be listening to your show anyway, so there's no problem. Okay, you're lovely. Thanks, Norma. Cheers for now. All Take right, care. thank you very much. I was much. talking earlier on about food and trying to, and earlier in the week with regards to food and catering and trying to get, if you can help on that, incidentally, 086. And trying to get staff, particularly in hospitality. I was making some points on that. And Desi says, as a fully qualified chef with long time experience, I have to laugh at you when you said on the air that a curry is a curry and a burger is a burger. You said it's pretty straightforward. It's not so straightforward when you have 60 or 70 on order at the same time and maybe 10 or 12 different main courses. It's not so straightforward then trying to keep that together. Chefing used to be a career and a vocation. Tall white hats, crisp, clean uniforms. You were an apprentice for four years. Now, if you can speak any kind of English and boil an egg and have two years experience, you're a head chef nowadays. It's all about how little they can pay these days. Nothing more, says Desi. Thanks for that. Um, And then... With regards to whether or not we open to indoor hospitality on the 5th and with regards to whether you can fly on the 19th, we have 13 in ICU in the entire county. I don't know, is that the county or the entire country? I imagine it's probably the entire country. The doom merchants predict another plague and the weak politicians will delay reopening yet again. The same variant was in Limerick two weeks ago and disappeared. When will you guys in the media start calling this out instead of courting the figures every day? Please stop saying that the uh, 20s and 30s will be getting AstraZeneca and that there are loads of vaccines around. Where are they? Do you realize how upset and anxious we were in our late 60s? We're waiting patiently now to get a second dose while our children and soon our grandchildren will be vaccinated before us. I sit in waiting to be called and I feel it's very unfair Please put in a word for those of us who have medical conditions, the over 60s who can't go anywhere. Who cares if the pub's open? All we want to do is to go shopping and enjoy our grandchildren again. It's a total disgrace that we're left waiting, says a concerned listener. Well, a lot of, I know what you're saying, and I I empathise with what you are saying, 
but I did clarify during the week when I was talking about pubs opening and restaurants opening indoors that it's not just necessarily about going on the lash or having a pint. It's as well as about getting people back to work, getting people back to work again. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Anyway, to the outdoors again we go. Poor old Des. Des? Hello. You decided to have a go at building your own pizza oven, is it? That's right. And I have photographs here of lots of blocks and concrete bricks. How are you getting on with it? Oh, it's uh, three months in the making, (laughs) right? Yeah. But um, I'm not quite sure do I have to cement the blocks or just the weight of eventually when I get a table to make it out of cement, I think, and then put uh, wire wire in the middle to strengthen it. Uh, Did you you Google it? Did you YouTube it? I YouTubed it and I YouTubed it. I must have looked at about 10 or 20 of them. Now, you do put in mesh, wire mesh, to make the table, to, to strengthen it. You know? Then you put it on. But there's all different techniques, you know, how to make it. Oh, God almighty. What are, you, what are you trying to do? Because it seems to me from the photographs that you have all of these blocks in a kind of a, yeah. like a countertop. And in the middle then will go the barbecue grill itself, is it? That'll be on top, yeah. Yeah. And, and then you have to put a dome around and then it's like, like a pizza oven, you know, like you see there, I don't know, Oak Farm, Oak Farm Pizza, I suppose. I was never in there, no, I never got a pizza in there. But uh, it's a kind of a dome. It's like, you know, like, it's like kind of a, a pregnant woman, baby, you know, <laughs> belly. <laughs> That's the best way I could describe so it. So all you've actually done in those three months is piled a load of blocks up on top of each other in yeah. uh, in a kind of three quarters unfinished rectangle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. No concrete or anything. No. No, no cement. No, no cement. No. <laughs> you would kind of want to do that, like to begin with, wouldn't you? It'd be handy. Yeah. <laughs> but are, you, are you any good at DIY? Like, have you had uh, any? I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty handy. I'm pretty handy. You know, but this is kind of a. See, I like. Sitting down in the evening watching cooking programs. My daughter sits down, she watches as well, and she sees the, the pizza ovens, you know. Uh, Jamie Oliver, he has one outside his garden, and I think Martin something, he has one outside his garden as well. I'm sure that Jamie so, Oliver didn't build it, though. He probably brought in professionals, which is possibly oh, what course, you should yeah. do. Um, <coughs> yeah, you, you should be YouTubing people's videos of making them. I have done, I have done, and they're just so, so kind of. Uh, there's all different methods and ways of doing it so I'm kind of going you know right 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 I'm so right I get that to that now I get I get there now eventually you know <laughs> you need to you need to start mixing cement to begin with oh, hang, on, to, hang, hang on a second let me ask the experts Andrew Lone is from Oak Fire Pizza Andrew good morning did you see the photographs morning, I did I did I mean no one um, embarrass him because he's a nice guy Des but <laughs> you want to stick to the day job buddy um, I, look, I don't claim to be an expert at all, but um, I, knowing what I know about pizza ovens at this stage, and I have nine of them, uh, I wouldn't even dream of trying to build one from scratch. Where do you get them? Do you import them? We import them from Italy, yeah. So we, we have six of the big restaurant ovens, and I, I've uh, three or four small little... Yeah, I would. Do you have a go <laughs> knocking around, have you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, no, it, I, what, what I would say today is, is um, 
Forget about it. Forget about it. You kind of need to think about the, the practicality of actually using it afterwards. You know, if you, if you build a huge big pizza oven, those things can take like four hours to heat up. So, you know, if you just want to make five or six pizzas for dinner some evening, you, you, you need to start planning that in the morning. Whereas if you buy a little small domestic type, uh, kind of a barbecue type oven, <laughs> you can flick it on half an hour before you need it. It's up to temperature. Yeah cook your pizzas and flick it I off, know I've you know. seen them for sale you can get them in all sorts of shops I know that Aldi's, Aldi sell them and Lidl do special offers on them but if he's to do that what's he going to do with all of these bloody blocks <laughs> well, I'd say bulldozer <laughs> you don't need, you, you don't need any wall that needs building do you Des no? you, could, you could actually you could make that just a base to hold the, you know if you're, if you're buying a small little uh, outside oven I know it's not very pleasing to the eye now in fairness yeah yeah, I'll I might need a bit of plaster, a bit of, uh, bit of mortar, maybe. Yes, he does. <laughs> Lots of it. <laughs> yeah, plenty of it. <laughs> and it won't be a bucket either. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, I, I don't know about building your own like that. It could take four or five hours to heat the damn thing. You'd be much faster uh, just dialing oak fire pizza and picking up a few hot pizzas yourself. No, you're not. Uh, how about just sending down a voucher? That'd be even better again. I don't have to cook it. <laughs> that ain't up to me, Andrew. Do you want to float him a couple of pizzas? No, no problem at all. And if he wants a few pizza cooking lessons, send them in to us. Oh, now you're talking. Could we no, organise no, that? No, no, we're sucking diesel. All right, okay. So a couple I mean, of pizza. Get, we we we'll, we'll get our chefs to show them how to how to mix some dough and make them make a fresh pizza from scratch. Were you intending uh, to make the pizzas fresh, Des, or were you intending to use I'll, frozen? Oh no, no, no! I'll do the. Uh, you know, make it yourself, hopefully. So are you going to give up on your own DIY job or what? Uh, sure, I might do a bit here and a bit there and probably down the lane, probably one of those 60 should be made. <laughs> okay. In, in, in the sh- maybe maybe people have built their own pizza ovens. I hope they have and they'll get in touch I, with me. I, I was talking to a chap there yesterday and his dad built one, but it only lasted three months. <laughs> what did it blow up or something it probably took three months to build <laughs> <laughs> anyway if anybody has done build, yeah. if anyone has done one successfully maybe they'll get in touch text 0868104106 but in the short term Andrew's going to float you a couple of pizzas and also a couple of pizza making lessons so fantastic not bad and, and come back to me when you're a master pizza maker alright and we'll chat again <laughs> I would indeed, Neil. Thanks for All right, guys. Thanks for that. that. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Des. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back after these. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. And you can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Last opportunity here. These three little pieces of audio. This is for the Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe Barbecue Giveaway, and our fifth and final. Um, voucher, 50 euro voucher. So listen to it again now, pick up the three audio sounds and then I'll open the phone lines in about in about 10 or 11 minutes time and you're into the final then with five finalists. So this is the sounds from the garden. All right, not a, and not a, not a pizza making sound in the, in the middle of it at all, nothing like that. But I think there is something else going on in the culinary department, don't you? So those are the three sounds. Fairly straightforward. Good luck to you. Earlier in the week, then, we were talking about uh, some article in the Red Tops with regards to hangover cures. They were bizarrely saying 
the smell of freshly brewed coffee. You guys didn't agree with that in any way, shape or form. It was saying coffee is the best hangover cure, according to scientists. They say three or four cups are best to get you feeling full of beans after a heavy night. Don't know about that, but we posed the question. Trish says, iced cold can of Coke, first thing. Then a snack box with curry from the Roma Grill and Yall. The only cure there is. Ashling says, that research is wrong. Everyone knows 20 box of nuggets and a chocolate milkshake from McDonald's is the best hangover cure. Danielle says McDonald's as well, but a cheeseburger and chicken nuggets, a large Coke, and then a big Chinese later. Sheila says a curry pie and a bottle of Coke. Jason, a packet of fizzy jellies. Dave, ice cream. Usually a super split does it for me. Norma says orange juice. Ryan says, I used to swear by an apple and a cup of tea. Fanula, definitely the hair of the dog. Jude says, whatever happened to the big fry up and a hot cup of tea? Jennifer, four cups of coffee will just tip the anxiety and palpitations over the edge no, thank you. Trevor agrees, actually, that it's more to do with the fry up in the morning and a cup of tea to set you up for the day. So thank you for those texts. Um, whatever it is that works for you, well and good. And I got a lovely email in from the photojournalist and wildlife photographer Richard Mills from back in the day. Lovely to hear from you again. He says, my days are not the same anymore as my old faithful Red FM mug has finally succumbed to old age. Uh, it has long cracks for a long time now and the handle has eventually broken off I either got it when working for the examiner at your official opening in Bishopstown or while covering the retirement of Charlie Wolfe in 2004 (laughs) that's how old the mug is any case having used it at least twice a day every day excluding holidays for my coffee fix afternoon tea I figure that I've downed well over 12,000 coppers from the Red FM mug surely that's a record I would treasure a replacement and treat it with all due TLC, I promise. Can you help, Neil? All the best, Richard Mills. Um, I looked and looked around the building to see if we had any new unused Red FM mugs. And I failed, unfortunately. Now, we could well have them, but with COVID, I don't know where we're at with regards to marketing stuff, you know, jackets and you know, mugs and T-shirts and pens and stuff. But the only thing I can say is, that I do have a brand new mug from this radio program. When I say from this radio program, it has my name on it. It says the Neil Prendival Show on one side of it, and it says Cork's Red FM on the back. And it's a mug, and it's red and white. Now, if that will do you, and I don't know whether it will or not, you can gladly have it. It's unused. Perhaps you might not want a mug with my name on it. Uh, Maybe you just want Red FM. But if you do want it, you get the best of both worlds. You get this program on one side and Cork's Red FM on the other. So that's the best offer I can come up with. I mean, you kill two birds with one stone. It's unused. Never been used. It's brand new. It's my own. And I would gladly give it to you if that works for you, Richard. Let me know and we can make that happen. All right. And good luck with that. Now, mentioned uh, Norma and her hogweed you need to be very careful where you're walking these days. God knows what you could come up against a tick and all sorts of stuff and Lyme's disease and Lyme disease and things. She needs to use Roundup Biactive. She can get it in Atkins on the straight road. 
And that's a gardening tip from EN Garden Designs. Um, they also told, somebody also said, it's the sap that stings you and not the weed itself. So apparently the best place to go, Norma, would be to your local garden centre. And it's been suggested that Atkins on the straight road would give you Roundup by Active. And then you need to be able to spray it. So you need to have the proper equipment and away you go. Uh, but just back to the phone lines. Catherine, good morning. Oh, good are morning, you, uh, Are you aware um, of this, this hogweed business? Um, th- we've had terrible problems with it. Um, I used to get, um, a man used to come out um, two or three times a year and he'd strim the garden down to the bone. And then he got a full-time job in Apple. So my son then went out the next year with the hand shears and, uh, you know, cut it down. And he came in and within a few minutes, he started scratching and his arm went red and his chest went red. Oh, my God. And yeah, oh, horrible. And uh, the next thing, blisters came up the size of football. I've seen photographs of those blisters. They're horrific. Awful. And I'm like, we're not really going to the doctor people. We won't go into that, but we're not really going to the doctor people. And uh, I said, you've got to go to the doctor. And he was given penicillin injection and penicillin tablets. And um, I, I just, uh, I've got two dogs. And I asked around and two lovely men who have kept Kinsale tidy um, for a long time, <laughs> as long as I've lived here, nearly nice 40 one. years. Well done to them, yeah. And um, I asked them, I said, what will I do about the hogweed? And he said that, he said, cut it down to, like, to the, to the ground. He said, and then, oh, I can't remember, I wish I could remember, cut it down to the ground and then put the weed killer on. But another man said to me, a neighbour, he said that, um, he said when I was farming, I don't know his story mm-hmm. that long ago, you know, mm-hmm. he said when I was farming, he said we used to put Roundup down, he said for like six and seven, eight hours a day um, to clear the fields, you know. And uh, he said, but he said you can't let your pets near it. Well, I've got two dogs. I've got two beautiful dogs. And um, I'm at my wit's end about it. I am. I don't know what to do about it. You see, I wonder, a lot of people would be saying, oh, you can't be using these pesticides and these heavy weed killers and clearing fields with them because it's going to get into the water and it's going to get into our food, you know, and things like that. Yeah, although um, what I've heard is that Roundup is not a pesticide, it's a herbicide. I don't know. I'm not educated enough to know about those details. All I know is that it's like it's taller than me. It's like six foot tall now in the garden. My son was home. One of my son, he lives in Italy. Uh, he was home and uh, he spent two hours trying to get out the root. The two Kinsale men said you have to get the root out. And did he have you know? gloves on and clothing, protective clothing doing he all did. that? Because it he flowers, did. doesn't it? It seems to give off a kind of a white uh, white sheen that's about it. the top of it. Yeah, that's right. No, my son went out. God, this sounds mad. He went out with like a visor, sunglasses, gardening gloves, a, a, a big, a big long whatever you call it, Adidas. 
you know, against the rain thing. Boots. <laughs> it's it's horrible. Yeah, it it's came horrible. into this part of the world in the 1800s, wherever, I don't know, it was brought in or whether it came in on Is the wind it? or something. And do you know the huge blisters that you got um, treatment yeah, for, penicillin? Scott, yeah. Did it, did it clear it up? Um, as I say, he was given a penicillin injection and he was given penicillin tablets, which I know the doctors don't like giving out, but they gave it to him. And um, no, he, he hasn't had any trouble since. But um, painful? Was it painful? One, the one who was home recently said that um, he said it could have blinded you. Mother of God. And did he find it? Was it painful? Looks The photographs looked painful. Um, I, I I don't think so. It was just itchy at first. Oh my god! You know, he was just scratching a lot, and I said, "What's going on here?" Like, and uh, no, it was just the big, massive blisters. I mean, like blisters you'd never see. And you still have it, and it's still a concern for you. Is it the giant hogweed? It is. And this yeah. is different to Japanese knotweed. People confuse the two. It is different. Yeah. yeah. In fact, the, the two gentlemen that I spoke to, I came out of Super Value in Kinsale. Incidentally, I've tried to help about Minnie Murphy. I've, I've looked into that. Oh, thank um, you from yesterday's programme. Please do, if you have anybody down there that I might have, know about I've a Titanic connection with that Murphy family. Yeah, I have. I've, I've, I've looked into it with people who've got older relatives, you know. So we'll talk about that maybe, please, God, another day. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the two gentlemen that keep Kinsale tidy... Um, they happened as I came out of Super Value. Apparently, this knotweed thing thrives beside rivers, and I'm very close to a river. And as you come out of Super Value in Kinsale, there's a, I don't know whether you call it a stream or a river, I don't know. Yeah. And the two gentlemen were there, and I said, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I said, but the giant knotweed. And that was where they told me that you have to get to the route. And the man in uh, Bannon the, Co-op here in Kinsale said, don't go near it. Don't go near don't it. Go near I'm going to get, you know what, I'm going to get a horticulturist and a professional to give us some advice on this, really. I appreciate everybody's I'd contribution uh, to see exactly how dangerous this is and how it should be handled. Because apparently the Japanese knotwood is not harmful to humans, but it is very invasive no, it, and it, things. it digs up the houses. Yeah, that's right. It's very invasive. Oh, yeah. That's, right. that's exactly it. But the giant hogweed is, it poses a real threat to people. So I will come back to that whenever a horticulturist and those that know exactly exactly how to deal with it. But thank you so God much, Catherine. Neil. Make sure you God stay listening. Neil. Cheers for now. Take care. Okay, lines open one 104 I'll come back to um, to Sean in a second, if you don't mind. But our last batch of shout-outs for Free Food Friday. Morning to Elish and Mitchellstown. Morning to you all down there. Michael O'Driscoll Motors, who are listening as well. Cork Farm Machinery on the Cargrahan Road. Crowley Engineering. Mayfield Sports Complex are listening. Doodlebugs Crash in Passage. Keepsake Candles and Frames. Morning to you all. Intrust Communication. Ards Construction. Morning, Scott to everybody at Storefit Shopfitters in Wilton Glasheen Boys School last day of junior infants today would love pizza for the school and the teachers unique fit out in Glanmire Hanley's the garden centre in Cork they'd be good people to talk to actually maybe Damien at Hanley's he's a horticulturist there he'd know all about things like knotweed and 
giant hogweed and what have you. Animal Care Hospital in Douglas, Focus Physio, Long Insulation who are listening, Vicky working flat out for the Bonds, uh, Bowen Opticians in Carrigal Line, Hurley's in Balance Spittle, and Image Barbers in Douglas, especially Saddam, who recently got a promotion. They'd love some pizza. So we'll pick some winners in a few minutes' time. Three winners, Oak Fire Pizza. You can pick up the voucher. We'll post them, and you can pick up the pizzas then at Douglas, Clonacilty, Bandon, Princess Street, and Galabi Street. Just a fast one before I leave you. We'll squeeze in as much as we can. Earlier in the week, we were talking about lots of different childhood memories. Now, there's no prizes in this anymore. That was earlier in the week, but Sean had a lovely memory. I prompted a call from Sean. He joins me by phone. John, good morning. Um, can you, can you, yeah, line one. Okay, I think you're on one now. Are you, are you there, Sean? Okay, he's not. He's moved. Okay, the lines are changing. So as soon as he comes back, he's a lovely story actually. From when he was about three years old, um, and wanting to, uh, I wanted to talk to him because he wanted to shoot the babysitter. And we also were talking about babysitters earlier in the week and as to what you would pay a babysitter. The jury's out on the amount. I think it should be in and around maybe for a four-hour, five-hour babysit somewhere in the region of 50 or 60 euro. Not everybody agrees with me on that. Anyway, as soon as he's sorted, we'll get you back. So our free Food Friday winners for this week. Three winners, and you will receive uh, four pizzas each with sides. We'll send you the vouchers. To Matthew, working in Maglin Kitchens. Love some Oak Farm pizza after long week's work making lovely kitchens and wardrobes. So hi to Matthew and Philip and all of the gangs at Maglin Kitchens. I'm told that anybody in the kitchen business is absolutely flat out at the moment. So pizza for you. For the teachers of Glasheen Boys School, uh, it's my son's last day in junior infants today and the school and the teachers are fantastic. It would be well deserved for the last day before the summer. That's from Shannon in Wilton. So pizza for Glasheen Boys School. And the Fab Four, Jody, Ivan, Sam and Issa all working hard in Basel and Blackrock. I know they listen every day, day in and day out, and they've also been entering the competition for a long, long time. So pizza for you guys as well. And we'll do that again this time uh, next week. All right, back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, Super Deluxe Weber Genesis, Genesis Gas Grill Barbecue from Carew's Wood Garden Centre Cafe in Castle Marta. We already have four finalists and I need the fifth and final finalist now. You also will win a 50 euro Carew's Wood Garden Centre and Cafe Castle Martyr voucher. So these are the three sounds from the garden. Get all of those three right. And you become our fifth finalist. Lines open now on 1-850-104-106. You'll join our other four finalists and someone, one of the five, will win the Super Deluxe Deluxe Weber Genesis Gas Grill Barbecue. It's the biz worth over €1,500 and you'll have a great summer and a great life all year round with it. So get dialing on that. Also, just before we finish this morning... I remember, I was chatting with Tracy from Market Lane. They've got the Market Lane uh, and they've got Elbow Lane and they've got um, beautiful, beautiful covering and all of the, um, you know, uh, canopies on Oliver Punk Street and two of the business down there. So I kind of twisted her arm. I didn't need to twist it much. She was quite happy to give dinner for two at the Market Lane. So we'll open the phone lines on that just before we finish. In an effort to big up and talk up Cork businesses, certainly businesses who have adapted because of COVID, those involved in hospitality, others set up pretty much during it. And we were talking yesterday about sweets and I gave a spin of the candy man as well. And poor old uh, Vincent is struggling 
because he's eaten way too much sweet stuff. He says if he has it in the house, but I suppose everything in moderation. So what about businesses that did set up? And I have a couple of lovely prizes as well from the Candyman. So don't touch that dial. It's Friday and we're full of giveaways. Michael Hegarty. Michael, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Congratulations. Uh, First anniversary, am I right? Yeah, yeah, on the 17th of June, we celebrate our one-year anniversary. A big gamble and a brave thing to do to set it up 12 months ago. It was. Well, we initially set up in January and February as a sweet car tire company. Right. Then COVID hit, and we said, look, nobody wanted our sweet carts or, or Prosecco carts. So we decided to that we'd go into the confectionery side. So you didn't knock so, it on the head, you decided you'd adapt instead. We adapted and we said, look, we'll come up with a plan because we had stuff in. What would we do with it? So we decided that we were going to jar them up and sell them online to to a Facebook page. Then you got a contract with SuperValue. We did. We went down recently. We met Ryan SuperValue in Glamire and we showed them our products. And as we were from Glamire ourselves, they, they put our products on sale and... At the moment, Neil, we're very, very busy with them. Okay, so if you were to look at one of your hampers or one of your big jars, what's in it? Well, we have about 15 different types of sweets in our 1kg bags. And also we do uh, 970 ml jars as well. And we do 500 gram bags with all different types of sweets. So a lucky bag, a big mix of them. Yeah. Yeah, well, like we do jellies, chocolates, toffees, bonbons, gluten-free range, a vegan range, and all American sweets as well. Jellies, toffees, bonbons. You you had me on jellies alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very popular at the moment. We do fizzy, we do plain, we do all different types, you know. Oh, my God, almighty. Are there any Shandon sweets in there from the Bells of Shandon? To celebrate a one year in business, we met, we met up with Tony Linhan and Bob in Shandon Sweets, and we we are now putting our Shandon Sweets on under, under the Car Candyman brand as well. So you have all your Shandon Sweet favourites are all available in Ryan Super Value in Glanmire under the Car Candyman range. Okay, so they're available in Ryan Super Value Glanmire, and also uh, to order online, is it? Yeah, we well we do to our Facebook page. We sell at the moment to our Facebook page. We're waiting to build our uh, our website, you know. And what kind of money are we talking about for a kg bag? Well, we are one kg bags are eight euros. There's a lot of sweets in a kilogram. There is. And our our, our, uh, 500 gram bags are four euros. And our Shandon sweets, they're 300 gram bags. We do them for four euros as well. And then it's up to mammy and daddy or people to have their own willpower not to sit down and gobble them all up in one sitting. Gobble them all up, yeah. It's very hard as well when you're packing them to keep keep away from me. I was going to ask you, do you have particular (laughs) favourites yourself? No, we anything really. They're all so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to hit you up for a couple of bags if you don't mind. Yeah, we have a hamper, Neil, for you to give away. So we'll get a voucher in tea. And so we have a hamper for you. There's two, there's the two and a half kgs of jellies. We have two, three hundred grams of Shandon sweets in us for you to give away. <laughs> oh my God, there's a lot of eating in that, I can tell you. All right, well, listen, let's open the phone lines on that. So the first anniversary is down um, and may it continue to thrive and get bigger and better and get rolled yeah, out and more. Our, our plan is to move into another super values as well in, in, in the near future. So you're happy out this, you know, so far so good. This time last year you mightn't have been as optimistic but things no, are going well. It is. Things are very well and for, and for used to running super value in Glanmire, like their, their management team are fabulous to us. Like they'll, 
they'll advise us what we should have and what we should what would sell and what we, what they'd like us to have, you know? So you must have an Aladdin cave of sweets somewhere that you're bagging and boxing. We do. <laughs> Sounds like an ideal and job there's, there's to me. nothing nicer when you walk into the room and just all you get is the room of sweets. Do you ever get? I worked in Tops confectionery there years when I was a young fella making bubblegum. Mother of God, after a few weeks of it, I was sick of the smell of sweets and bubblegum. You don't say the same, no? No, because like, even now we, we walk into our packing, our packing facilities, like, all oh, you get is a smell like of hard-boiled sweets. No <laughs> rocks and everything. Oh, I love it. All right. Okay, I'll open the phone lines in a couple of minutes on that one. And thank you so much. I'll send you on the winners' names yeah. and we can take it from there, all right? Perfect. Thanks, Neil. But congratulations on the business. The Candyman, a year in business on Lee side. Fair play to you. Well done. Cheers for that. Those three pieces of audio, right? Uh, those three pieces of audio. Fairly straightforward, I would have thought. I hope it didn't present too much of a challenge for you. So let's just, uh, let's just have a listen to them as we, uh, as we play them this morning. I caught out exactly what they are. But well done to everybody. That's a garden shears. That's meat sizzling on the barbecue. And that is the pouring of a beer or a fizzy drink. We'd accept either. So those are the three. And well done to Aideen Delaney from Ardmanning Avenue in the Lock. So there's a 50 euro voucher in it for you. We have five finalists. And while I was chatting there with the Candyman, the lads did a draw. So we had five finalists. Each of them get the 50 euro Carewswood voucher. But the lads did a draw. Very fair. Off air. And we had Carol on Monday... Eileen on Tuesday, Martin on Wednesday, Laura on Thursday, and today's winner was Aideen Delaney in the lock. So we've done the draw, the Weber Barbecue. And the winner um, should be joining me to hear the great news on line five. She doesn't know it yet, but she is the winner of a 1,500 euro Weber Genesis gas grill. Eileen in Ballinlock. Good morning. Who the heck is there with you? Is a house full of you? Oh my God, Brian! Well done. Oh my God, I'm so delighted, Neil. Are you sure now you'll be able to use it and everything? It's a big. Reading the instructions for half the night. You were you had a you had a fabulous story, if I remember. The story of yourself up in the loft and your brother being born downstairs in the tiny little house she What? I could tell it again. It was a great story. I absolutely loved it. So much. I don't know how big is your garden. Will it be big? I've seen this barbecue. It's big. It's like a small car. Don't you worry, we have plenty room for it, <laughs> And when all of this is over, and all this coronavirus is a thing of the past, you can have yeah. the whole estate in for a big barbecue in your back garden. And I bring yourself some night or some day. You never I'd know. You never know. I'd well, love to see it. Well, you're li- a gem. Not at all. Listen, Eileen, you're a long way from the loft up in the small little house now, in I fairness to you. I am indeed, love. I am indeed. But you're... We took a by steps, Neil. We couldn't do any other way. Well else, done. You know? You're a true treasure. A 1,500 Hi. euro super deluxe Weber Genesis gas grill from Carew's Garden Centre. Carew's Wood Garden Centre. Enjoy Brilliant. it. All right? Delighted. Enjoy it. Thank Lovely you gem. so much, Dave. You're welcome, Eileen. You. Take Bye-bye. care. Go and tell all the friends. Give us another big cheer there, everybody. Woo! Well 
well done. Our lines will stay open at 1850 104 106. If you fancy uh, dinner at the Market Lane, pick up the phone now. We have dinner for two. It'll be outdoors, al fresco, but you'll absolutely love it. So get dialing for that now and thank you to Tracy for it. 1850 104 106. And also, if you'd like to go to the Mega Drive Bingo, Mega Drive Bingo even, at the showgrounds. These are the showgrounds in Curraheen now, all right? Don't be confusing it. It's Sunday afternoon. Get on the phone now. You will be in your car and you'll have a great day's bingo. one 106 That's it, lads. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. Enjoy the weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.